Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spectacular! This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the evening by lighting up Oi. for my friends, the star of the show, Oi, Oi. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi. This Oi. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Good morrow, everyone. Happy Boxing Day. This is Sid and Friends. I'm Frank Morano. Normally, you'd probably hear my voice if you've ever suffered from a bout of insomnia and found your way to uh, WABC between the hours of 1 and 5 a.m. But it is my great pleasure to be sitting in here for Sid Rosenberg today. Uh, Sid is off all this week, enjoying some well-deserved time off. And uh, there, is, there was a very, very select group of people that uh, management had okayed as substitutes for Sid. Unfortunately, none of them were available, so they went to the only guy that's available. <laughs> Yours truly, Frank Morano, uh, normally the host of The Other Side of Midnight during the week. But I'm excited to be here. You know, I was for about four seconds, I was mildly irked that they reached out to me on Christmas Eve about, you know, filling in the day after Christmas. I was looking forward to having a nice day off with my wife and my one-year-old son and kind of recharging the batteries a little bit. And then I said, wait a minute, what does it matter with you? You've uh, aspired your whole life to have a radio show on WABC, and you're really going to be upset when people ask you to fill in on a show where there's even more people listening? So uh, I am absolutely and genuinely thrilled to be here The least surprising news story and the story that you need me to tell you about the least is one that you can feel, hear, experience and smell just by opening your front door and that it is freezing out there. It is cold out there. Now, not trying to be flippant about this at all, because uh, this is a literally deadly winter snap. We've seen 17 people die in western New York alone due to the snowstorm they're experiencing up there. There have been 1,300-plus flights canceled today because of this winter storm. If you possibly can, I would encourage you to stay home today, enjoy some nice warmth. Maybe if you're uh, able to uh, make yourself a little hot chocolate and gather with some nearby friends, neighbors, or family, I think that's the way to go today. That's the move. Hopefully a lot of you are off and able to enjoy the holiday and enjoy some, uh, I like a good wintertime cocktail, like an amaretto hot chocolate or an Irish coffee or a hot toddy. Maybe we'll go into some of your favorite wintertime cocktails a little bit later. But um, it is, uh, you know, my heart really goes out to the animals. Honestly, you think about all the animals 
in New York and all over the place that live out there on the street, and they have nowhere to go when it's this chilly out. And I really do feel bad for them. In our neighborhood, there are a couple of stray cats that my wife feeds. They come to our house every day, and my wife puts out water, cat food for them. And uh, lo and behold, yesterday it was so cold that the water she had put out for them, not surprisingly, was totally frozen. And there's wet cat food and dry cat food that she's put out for them. The wet cat food was frozen into a block. So we have the this ring camera, which I think a lot of people have. So if you're thinking about stalking me and going to my house, I would urge you we'll have your image. Please don't do that. The These cats would go to our house where this, uh, this cat food usually is, and they would try to eat the, the cat food, but it was frozen. It was frozen into a block. They couldn't get anything out of it. That being said, uh, we are going to try and uh, have a lighter side of the winter weather today. We're going to try and think warmly, play some warm music. You just heard uh, Diego bring to you the heat is on. It certainly is. So we're going to try and pr- a lot of this is mental. You know, you always see those guys on January 1st that dive into the beach in Coney Island on uh, the polar bears when it's freezing cold. I can't imagine doing that. But they say that a lot of the mentality is just thinking warmly. I think there's something to be said for that, right? But uh, there's only so warm you could think when it's 8 degrees outside and it feels like negative uh, 23. But it is cold out there. How cold is it? I said, how cold is it? It is so cold that chickens are rushing into Kentucky Fried Chicken and begging to use the pressure cooker. That's right. It is so cold that Jack Frost changed his name to Jack Froze. It is so cold that even Elsa from Frozen is bothered by it. And it is so cold, even the ATM is showing a minus. Okay, all right. Okay, we're, we're it's it's early. It's the day after Christmas, so uh, we're working with what we have here. All right, uh, a lot to get to. By the way, speaking of the weather, one of my favorite things that I saw over the weekend was from Mark Woodley, who's a sports anchor and reporter for KWWL in Iowa. It's a TV station out there. And he was out there in Waterloo early Friday morning. Now, much like Napoleon, Waterloo turned out to be Mark Woodley's Waterloo. Mark Woodley really did not want to go to work on Thursday, and he was not afraid to let folks know. So he's a sports anchor. He's a sports reporter on the NBC affiliate out there, and he was pressed into service as this massive snowstorm um, it, it basically plunged all across the area there. Temperatures plunged to 12 degrees in the morning and continued to drop, and it was snowing heavily at times as this fellow, Mark Woodley, broadcast live from the streets of Waterloo for more than three hours. Here's a little bit of uh, Mark Woodley on the mean streets of Waterloo, Iowa. Mark, how are you feeling out there? Uh, again, uh, the same way I felt about eight minutes ago when you asked me that same question, right? I normally do sports. Uh, everything is canceled here for the next couple of days. So what better time to ask the sports guy to come in about five hours normally uh, earlier than he would normally wake up, go stand out in the wind and the snow and the cold and tell other people not to do the same. I didn't even realize that there was a 3.30 also in the morning 
until today. It's absolutely uh, fantastic, Ryan. You know, I I'm used to these evening shows that are <laughs> only 30 minutes long, and generally on those shows, I'm inside. So uh, this is a really long show. Tune in for the next couple hours to watch me progressively get crankier and crankier. How do I get that uh, Storm Chaser 7 duty? I, I feel like Clint got the uh, better end of that deal. You know, that thing's heated. Um, the outdoors currently is not heated. Well, I'll tell you what, Ryan, I've, I've got good news and, and I've got bad news. The, the good news is that I can still feel my face right now. <laughs> the bad news is I kind of wish I couldn't. Can I go back to my regular job. I, I'm pretty sure, Ryan, that you guys added an extra hour to this show just because somebody likes torturing me because compared to two and a half hours ago, it is just getting colder and colder. Live in Waterloo for the last time this morning, thankfully, I'm Mark Woodley, New 7 KWWL. So uh, that was, he became very clearly increasingly annoyed throughout the the program. And uh, this has now become one of those things that has gone viral over the Internet. I, I think it's hysterical. On the one hand, I could really empathize with this fellow because I know what it's like to try and uh, wait for the express bus or the train or the ferry when it's just frozen out because you've got to get there and do your job. I know what it's like to be called in five or six hours before but the thing with radio, unlike uh, television, you really never, at least I've never been in the position, maybe Noam Layden has, maybe we'll ask him about this later. I've never been in the position where you have to tell people what the weather is by standing outside in the snow. And if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, you could tell people it's snowing just as well from a 70 degrees climate controlled indoor television studio as you can standing out there on the middle of the street at 3.30 in the morning. But I guess when it comes to TV viewership, people like to see news anchors or uh, reporters suffering just as much as they are. All right. Uh, we're going to take your calls throughout the morning. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you are staying warm today. You know what we have been doing in our household, in the Morano household? My wife and I are now experimenting with – you ready for this? No? Get your head out of the gutter. Two blankets – Two blankets. That's right. We have our we have our top sheet. We have our standard blanket, and we've had another blanket on top of that for the next four, last four days. My wife asked me yesterday, so how are you feeling about the top blanket, the second blanket? I said I think it's great. Now I do like it because it's warm, and she said I do too. I was wondering if I was going to be too hot or something along those lines. But I'll tell you the real reason why I really like it, because. Up until I was dating my wife, and I think we were even engaged, I had made my own bed in my entire life maybe five times. Maybe five times. So you learn very early on in a relationship what the what the red flags are going to be, right, what the potential uh, landmines are going to be. And one of them was that I didn't make the bed. So once I got together with my then girlfriend, then fiance, now wife Rachel, I learned that, okay, she doesn't like that I don't make the bed. So I have to, we sleep at different hours because I'm nocturnal. I have to make the bed. I find 
that she's a little bit more understanding with me not making the bed with that second blanket up there. It's almost like you get to say, oh, well, uh, how are you supposed to make the bed? There's a whole second blanket up there. You can't be making the bed in that in that kind of a manner. But it's going really well. It's going well from a warmth perspective. It's going well from a masking of uh, making the bed perspective. So... Uh, I do recommend that. If you're considering experimenting with two blankets, try it. 800-848-9222. We're going to be thinking warm today. Let me tell you what's coming up. Coming up a little bit later this hour, there's a real crisis at the border. I don't think that's news to anyone. We're going to talk with uh, someone who's been an immigrant to this country, uh, Dr. Murray Sabrin. Murray Sabrin is an economist and a retired professor of finance at Ramapo, Ramapo College. He's got this book out, which uh, I've been really enjoying. It's called From Immigrant to Public Intellectual, An American Story. So I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with him about the situation at the border. And then in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, we are going to be joined by the one and only, I'm not sure if he's ever appeared on this station before. I think it might be his first time appearing on this station. A fella, uh, Curtis something, Silwa, Sylvie, Silwa. Uh, yes, that's right. The one and only Curtis Lewa will join us for his regular Monday sit-down with us at uh, at 7.05. He was kind enough to sit in for me this morning from 1 to 5 a.m. I had initially put in for the day off, but uh, then when they had nobody else to do this shift, I, w- I was happy to do it. And Curtis said, you know, that he wants to come on for his regular uh, scheduled appearance with Sid that he does on Monday morning. So he's going to be here. A lot to go over with Curtis, by the way. Nobody seems to know where Eric Adams is, except for, as you might have heard from Noam Layden last hour, former city councilman Sal Albanese, who has reported that Eric Adams is Jamaica. Now, I don't understand. What's the big secret? You're the mayor of New York City. We're going to get into this with Curtis. But you're the mayor of New York City. You're entitled to a vacation. Why couldn't he just tell people that he's going to, vaca- is going to vacation in Jamaica? The thing with Adams is, even when you want to root for him, it seems like everything the guy does is so shady. Why the big secret? Why the surreptitious way of handling this? And, uh, you know, Curtis is someone, even though he's old enough to be a grandfather, Curtis is someone who views himself as being very much in touch with the hip-hop community, very much in touch with what's going on on the street life, right? He used to do, when he was doing this shift, he would do a regular segment on the morning show called the Weeby Thugging Update, where he'd talk about rappers and stuff like that. I can't imagine why on a conservative news talk station people weren't into these segments with rappers, but... Uh, I am eager to talk with him about this Megan the Stallion shooting. Have you heard about this? Megan the Stallion was shot, okay? They sentenced her shooter, and now there's this tremendous backlash in the hip hop community against Megan the Stallion, the person that was shot. We're going to get into it with Curtis. And the other thing I'm eager to talk to Curtis about is um, have you been following this situation involving the talented Mr. Santos, George Santos, the congressman-elect from Long Island? By the end of this show, there are so many lies being exposed about what George Santos has said about his own life and his own career. I think chances are pretty good that by the end of this show, we may find out his name not even George Santos. But um, I'm eager to talk with Curtis about this because I had actually heard privately Curtis to run for that very seat that Santos got elected to. I think there's no doubt if Curtis would have won, 
he uh, excuse me, if he would have run, he would have gotten elected. And unlike Santos, who is finally getting all of his dirty laundry aired out in public, all of Curtis's skeletons are already out of the closet. Now, my prediction on the Santos situation is that he actually survives this. I think he is uh, going to be sworn in. I don't think he's going to resign. I don't know that he should resign. Honestly, I think uh, maybe this is a reflection of the job that local media should be doing during the campaign, not afterwards. But um, you saw what happened with that state senator in Brooklyn, Julia Salazar, who lied about her whole life, including the fact that she may or may not have dated Keith Hernandez. And uh, she is now she's now kind of made her way as an unassuming member of the state Senate. So I could see Santos maybe doing the same thing. But if Santos is forced to give up this seat, I'm wondering if maybe Curtis would run in the special election. And eight o'clock hour. Really, really excited about this. Lenore Skenazy is going to be here. Lenore Skenazy is one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite people You might have seen her column Sunday in the New York Post about this new technology that's helping uh, children with autism speak, essentially. We'll get into it. But Lenore Skenazy is sort of the godmother of this uh, this new movement called free range parenting. And basically her attitude is parents need to let their children do more stuff on their own including at younger and younger ages. We're going to get into it with Lenore. She's always one of my most controversial guests, and to me, she's right on the money. And uh, we're going to try and get a hold of Sal Albanese uh, because somehow he got the word on where Eric Adams was vacationing. We don't know how. We're going to ask him. And uh, who knows? Rich Lowry may be here as well. We'll have Lydia reports and a whole lot of other things, plus your phone calls. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven open phone lines. You can tell us how you are surviving the cold or if you want to try your hand at one of those how cold is it jokes the inimitable diego is standing by with a rim shot ready for your use if you've had an accident trust gabo law personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time gabo law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you but don't take our word for it read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on google avo and facebook call gabo law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. That's right. There is a heat wave. Uh, This is Sid and Friends. I'm Frank Morano sitting in for Sid Rosenberg. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be in any other days this week, 
But uh, Sid will be back on January 2nd after the new year. He's getting some well-deserved rest and relaxation. I will be uh, back on the radio tonight starting at 1 a.m., technically tomorrow, for uh, for the other side of midnight from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. For those of you that uh, sleep something resembling normal hours, you can always catch up on the podcast. You can either find it at uh, wabcradio.com or just search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano on any podcast app and uh, just hit the subscribe button and you'll automatically get the program downloaded to your phone each and every day. I hope you had a great Christmas or a great Hanukkah or whatever holiday you were promoting or celebrating, I should say. And uh, the big story today is how chilly it is. It is really chilly. You know, I was thinking... My uh, my sister-in-law's parents came into New York for Christmas from Texas. And I was thinking, you know how bad that's got to be for them when you're used to a warm climate? And New York is a big tourist town always, but especially around the holidays. Now, you think last year it was so warm on Christmas that um, I remember on Christmas Eve, I think we were actually smoking cigars outside. There's none of that going on this time around. So uh, hopefully you're staying warm, and hopefully if uh, you have friends or family that are in town visiting you, hopefully you're showing them some of the best New York cold weather experiences as well. 800-848-9222 if you want to uh, comment on anything we're talking about. We're going to talk with Murray Saber in a little bit. I am eager to get his take on uh, the situation at the at the border. Obviously there's been a lot of controversy surrounding the the uh, expiration of Title 42, which will, uh, they say, allow a whole lot more people to come into the country. Now, I'm all for a stricter border control. I'm all for a better way of handling the the migrants and, and things like that. I am not for using Title 42 to do it. Now, I am someone that thinks a lot of the COVID restrictions were in pla- that were in place during the pandemic were going a little too far, especially in places like New York. And I think if you look at the approach that states like Florida took, as opposed to states like California, they didn't necessarily have any worse rates of COVID infection. And if you look at places around the globe that have really clamped down on COVID restrictions, obviously the place that's getting the most attention these days is China with this zero COVID policy. As soon as you have COVID, you have to um, be isolated. And, they, you know, it's very strict over there in China. China is now experiencing, especially in the rural areas, a huge COVID outbreak. They say a quarter million people may have covid and their healthcare systems are really being taxed in a in a horrible way so um you have to wonder what good is this zero covid policy that china's been implementing what good is it doing in actually stopping the spread of covid now i realize that's an oversimplification i realize when you're talking diseases and things of that nature it's uh, a much more complicated nuanced picture than i just painted in 40 seconds i get that but Uh, If there's a problem with our border policy, if there's a problem with how we're handling asylum seekers, that's the problem that needs to be fixed. We shouldn't be using um, Title 42, which is, I think, at this point outdated because we're pretty much back to normal when it comes to COVID and the pandemic. I don't think we should be using that as a way to keep people from getting into the country. But one of the things I am going to ask Murray Sabrin when we talk to him in about 10 minutes is I have a little bit of a problem, not a little bit, I have a major problem with this. 
There were three busloads of migrants dropped off near Vice President Kamala Harris's Washington residence in the bitter cold on Christmas Eve from Texas. Now, um, they were initially supposed to come to New York City on Christmas Day, but they said, all right, we're on the way here. We'll just drop them off in front of the vice president's house. I'm all for making politicians see the implications of poor uh, border policy and uh, making blue states share the uh, share the problem with uh, with red states and things of that nature. I'm all for that. But these are people that are dropped off in the frigid cold temperatures in the middle of the night to be used essentially as a political prop as they're wearing T-shirts in some cases and totally dressed inadequately for the weather. Now, again, I do think all the states should be pitching in. This should not be a Texas-only or Arizona-only problem. But I don't think you should be – I think if you're going to transport people to cold-weather uh, places – in the middle of the night like this, you should at least make sure they have adequate clothing. And I, I think a lot of the grandstanding politicians in our country on both sides of the aisle, they really don't think about the human toll that's involved in sending people out into subarctic temperatures in the middle of the night like this. I, I'm all for political theater. I'm all for stunts. But not when you're jeopardizing people's health like this. Uh, now, thankfully, these people did get uh, – they get, did get uh, – shelter relatively quickly and weren't left out there to freeze. But you don't get the sense that the people that dropped them off there would have cared too much if they were left to freeze. All right. 800-848-9222. Let us say hello to E. Frank. Hello, E. Frank. Yes. Um, very, uh, very good uh, uh, past or uh, Christmas today. It's, yes, yes, we just passed Christmas to you, your missus and child and family. You know, um, I, I noticed that it's bitterly cold. I, I really have never experienced such weather in the 52 years that I've been here. Uh, born and raised in New York, uh, I don't know. The, the political scene has changed quite a bit, and, you know, things, things are, per, are proceeded in a different way, uh, Frank. Uh, but I, I do notice what you said. There are more skeletons now coming out of the closet from Rosalbia, Buenos Aires, Argentina, to New York and more scandals than I have ever seen. And I agree with uh, things that you're saying in regards to... In the annals of talk radio, there is not a caller... Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, very well said, E. Frank. Well said. Thank you. Uh, in the annals of talk radio, there is not a caller who is capable of using more words to say so little than E. Frank from Astoria. You just never know where he's going to go, but at the end of the day... You always know he's going nowhere. But uh, he's a great listener, so we uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, give him voice on this program. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Sid Rosenberg is off this week. I'm Frank Morano holding down the fort. Uh, before we talk with Murray Sabrin, two quick things on uh, items we mentioned. One, uh, while I did allude to the missing posters 
that a nonprofit group, New York Communities for Change, uh, had been putting up around New York since he missed the storm briefing with uh, Governor Hochul and he was reported as being in Jamaica at the height of the storm. He did appear at midnight mass on Christmas Eve at St. Patrick's. So evidently the mayor is back in the five boroughs of New York City. I don't have an issue with the mayor leaving for a couple of days. I The thing that I think I scratched my head about, and we'll get into this with Curtis Lee in 20 minutes, is why the level of secrecy. Why not just tell people I'm taking a couple of days off, uh, work real hard, and I'm going away for a couple of days? No, I, don't, I don't see that. But we'll get into it with Curtis. The other thing, I want to thank some listener who texted me, and you could text me as well, 8168Morano. I was talking about the struggles that people like my wife have in feeding um, outdoor cats and outdoor dogs. Apparently, there are these outdoor heated pet bowls for food and water, and I'm going to get one of these for my wife, one of these heated pet bowls. You can get them online. I'm sure you can get them at a lot of pet stores as well. This is great, and uh, it makes sense that there is something like this, but I wouldn't have thought to look it up had someone not messaged me about it, so thank you for that. All right, Uh, a lot of people wondering what the story is at the border. Who better to ask than a genuine American success story, the definition of the American dream. I'm very, very pleased to welcome Dr. Murray Sabrin, economist, retired professor of finance at Ramapo College, and the author of the new book, From Immigrant to Public Intellectual, an American Story. Murray, I hope you had a great holiday. Thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Well, thanks, Frank. It's always great to be with you. And, uh, a Merry Christmas, belatedly, to you and your uh, listening audience. Thank you very much. Murray, uh, w- there's a lot being made over the expiration of Title 42. There's a lot of fears that this could lead to even more stadiumfuls of people coming into the country at a time when the United States may not have the infrastructure to deal with this influx of, uh, of immigrants. As somebody that uh, was not born here but was a, a citizen but first an immigrant, give me your view on how we're dealing with this. This whole situation. What do you think the country should do going forward? Well, uh, given my family's uh, story coming to America in August 1949, my father was vetted in West Germany where uh, they settled after World War II from their native Poland. He was thoroughly vetted because he was a partisan commander uh, for a year from uh, July of uh, 1943 to July of 1944 when he was liberated by the Russian army. And so uh, since he had uh, since he was a very integral part of uh, defending Poland from the uh, German advance, uh, the Americans wanted to know who is Abraham Sabrin. At that time, it was Shabrinsky. That was his last name. And so uh, he was vetted. Uh, he, I guess there was a health check also. I don't remember. I was two and a half years old. But uh, he got papers from his uh, great aunt and first cousin who arrived in America before uh, we did. And so that's the American way. That's the, re- that's the right way of coming to America is, is applying for, for entry getting vetted, making sure your health is in good shape, and coming to America just like countless tens of millions did before and after uh, 1949. And if we had that system in place, we wouldn't have the disaster that we're seeing right uh, before our eyes. And it just demonstrates, Frank, the callousness of the Biden administration. Why are they allowing people to come into America who may not be healthy, who may have no opportunity for work, and we don't know what their uh, criminal background is. So we have a disaster that's made right here in the White House. And I think uh, the American people, I, I think, are fed up with what's going on at the border because of uh, the Biden administration's non-immigration policy. 
Murray, and we're talking with Murray Sabrin. You could check out his uh, book, From Immigrant to Public Intellectual and American Story. I've uh, I've gotten it. I'm reading it now. It's uh, it's terrific. It's available on Amazon. Um, I, I would certainly agree with you in the problems with how the Biden administration has handled border security. That being said, when we see these um, underdressed immigrants dropped off in front of Kamala Harris's house in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve, isn't that just little more than a political stunt? Well, it's, it's worse than that. It's a humanitarian disaster. I mean, you have to treat people humanely. And unfortunately, uh, no one is treating people humanely here because they should not be transported in a way that puts them in jeopardy health-wise. They should be uh, vetted properly. Uh, they should be staying in Mexico, which is title, what Title 42 is all about, and being properly vetted there or in their own home, home country where you, have, you can go to the American consulate, American embassy, and have a proper means of uh, coming into the country. Uh, what we have today, Frank, is, is really just over the top. Uh, there is no reason, no ro- logical, rational reason, humanitarian reason for this to occur. And the only thing that people are coming up with is that this is a deliberate policy of Biden to try to get, quote, more voters into the country. Now, if the Republicans were smart, they would say, OK, you're having all these people come into the into the country, but they're not coming in the proper way. So therefore, they are not following the protocol that should be that should they should be following. Therefore, they can never become U.S. citizens. They can only become permanent residents. That would blow the Democrats' mind up because uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to have compromise, that would be the compromise. If you're not following the proper procedure, you cannot become a U.S. citizen. And I think that would put a lot of the edge off of the Democrats' uh, attempt to try to uh, have more Democratic voters because this, after all, is happening under a Democratic president. Murray, uh, speaking of uh, liberals, uh, conservatives, that whole thing, you spent uh, decades in the world of academia, a very well-respected professor of, uh, of finance at Ramapo. One of the things that we so often hear from uh, younger conservatives and their parents is that the the academic environment is very hostile to conservative students. I'm curious, did you find that to be the case at Ramapo? And what what were you able to do to sort of encourage conversation and respectful contrary among people who might have different political ideologies while at the same time, you know, not allowing any one view to be uh, bullying the other and that kind of a thing? Well, thanks, Frank. Uh, when I was at Rarapo, uh I founded the Sabre Center for Free Enterprise. And when we would have programs, I would always make sure that we'd have people from both sides in terms of uh, public policy, whether it's taxation, whether it's regulation, whether it's trade. Uh, you name the issues. We always had people coming together to present their views. So students, faculty, and the general public who were invited to these symposia got to hear people who are experts whether it's on philanthropy, uh, we talked about the tax code, we talked about the regulation, trade policy, uh, the crash of 2008. And so uh, my job was to be a facilitator so people could hear, students could hear all sides on, on these topics because uh, I wasn't there to, to present only one point of view. I was there to bring people together to say, hey, here's the issue. What are the different perspectives that we can hash it out? And then you make your own decision as a citizen, uh, as a student, as a faculty member. Murray, tell me about uh, a lot of this book is not only a great memoir, but sort of a chronicling of your own political maturation and education. Tell me about uh, John F. Kennedy's campaign in 1960, how you felt about it at the time, and how that sort of played a role in your own political awakening. 
Well, uh, I grew up in a uh, blue-collar household. My father was a sheet metal worker working for $3 an hour in the Bronx. And uh, he told me he uh, he donated to Adley Stevenson's campaign in 1956 at $5. He donated $5, which is a lot of money back then. And so um, when the Kennedy uh, campaign was underway, uh, people were excited in the Bronx, which is a very blue area back then, even though it wasn't called blue. It was called a very democratic area. And so I saw JFK speak in the Bronx in, uh, right before the election in November 1960. And then when he was elected in ja- uh, January 61, I, I saw his uh, inaugural address, which uh, had some very interesting rhetoric in it. But the one rhetoric that made me very nervous is that we're going to go fight, uh, fight for freedom all around the world. So does that mean, as as a youngster, uh, as a teenager, that uh, the American military was just going to be the world's policeman? And, of course, uh, then we, a few months later, we had the Bay of Pigs disaster. Then a year and a half later, we had the uh, Bay of uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And uh, a year later, he was assassinated, which I'm still not over with because that changed the course of not only American history, mm-hmm. but world history with the with the Vietnam War that uh, Johnson started uh, in big time in 1965. And that had a huge impact on my generation, baby boomers, because uh, the anti-war movement got going. And unfortunately, there's no there's a very small anti-war movement today, given what's going on in the Ukraine. Yeah. And so I, I've been uh, steadfastly anti-war because I heard the stories growing up about the Holocaust from my parents who survived it. And uh, there's no good reason to have war. It's, it's a total collapse of morality. It's a total collapse of civility. It's a total collapse of uh, uh, governments trying to solve problems with... There's no way to, to, to say... This, right? No, Mur- Murray, obviously, I, I certainly agree with you. Uh, we, only, we have less than a minute left here, but I, I have to ask you about this. There's a lot of folks that say, look, uh, the United States didn't do the right thing in taking in Jewish refugees during the Holocaust and during World War II at a time when it should have, and it could have saved a lot of lives. And a lot of people are trying to juxtapose the same situation in Ukraine now, saying we need to stand up for the Ukrainians that are bravely fighting against Russian aggression. And that's why it's so important that we give all this American aid to Ukraine. Now, that's not necessarily my belief, but in a nutshell, Murray, tell Tell me why you think that mentality might be flawed. Well, Russia has security needs. Putin has said this time and time again. The line in the sand for Russia was that Ukraine should not join NATO. And when there were, uh, it looked like Ukraine was going to join NATO, Putin said this could not happen on, on our border, just as the United States would not want to see um, the Chinese communists coming to Mexico or Canada or, or Cuba. And so uh, we have to get government back to its original uh, point of view, which is protect your borders and make sure that these entangling alliances don't lead to uh, war. And that's what's happened throughout the 20th century and is now happening in the 21st century. Murray Sabrin, I want to encourage everybody to check out the book. They can just search your last name, S-A-B-R-I-N. Best of luck with it and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Frank, and uh, stay stay warm up there in New Jersey. Thank you. We're trying. Yes, Murray, one of the many people that has fled the Northeast for Florida. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Murray Sabrin. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Straight ahead. Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Have you heard this song before? 
Very clever lyrics. Some of the most clever in history. Listen to this. It's all in just picking the right lyrics. See, there's only three words, really, in the song. Rock and roll, rock, rock and roll, rock and roll, rock, rock and roll. Now, uh, this, of course, is uh, rock and roll part one, not nearly as famous as rock and roll part two. This is Frank Moreno here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Uh, This is one of the, uh, I think, one of the finest songs from disgraced English pop star and convicted pedophile Gary Glitter. Now, why are we uh, playing Gary Glitter? Because the news broke last week that Gary Glitter is set to be released in from prison in the coming weeks after serving just half of his 16-year sentence for sexually abusing three young girls. That's right. Gary Glitter could be freed as early as February for his model behavior. That's the word from the Ministry of Justice. He, the 78-year-old rose to prominence as a glam rock star in the 70s and 80s with uh, songs like this. You know, by the way, if you watch the music video to this song, and I'm going to link to it right now on my uh, on my Facebook page, and I don't want people to think that I'm, you know, supporting any of the crazy, perverted, or criminal stuff that Gary Glitter has done. But the look in Gary Glitter's eyes in this music video, I just want you to look at it. You don't even need to have the sound on. I just linked to it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fan. There is no way you can look into this man's eyes as he's singing this song and see this look of maniacal fanaticism in this guy's eyes and not think, oh, yeah, that guy's a pedophile. There is all you'd have to do if you were ever prosecuting Gary Glitter and you had no evidence, you show this video and you see this guy's eyes and you say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have no evidence. But, I mean, look, look at these eyes. Take a look. I, I don't want to, I don't like to judge people. Well, I mean, the guy's a convicted pedophile. So, actually, as far as judging people, he's pretty high on the list of people that I'm willing to cast judgment on. But um, you can see what I mean by the eyes in this video. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. So he's going to be out of prison soon. Uh, if you have a 16-year-old, make sure you lock up your daughter. 800-848-9222. Uh, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Curtis Leewood joining me after the top of the hour. William in Westchester has been patiently holding. Uh, William, got about a minute here. It's all yours. Okay, Waterloo, Iowa. Now, a skeptic like you is uh, not looked into the possibility that this whole thing was staged. The guy was brought out there with his camera person by a van. And I would strongly suspect that when not broadcasting, they're sitting nice there in the van, and it's all publicity. Oh, I think you're right, uh, William. I, I think he was just having fun with it, right? I mean, I do think he was uncomfortable uh, being out there in the frigid, cold temperatures at uh, 3.30 in the morning. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think you can absolutely have fun with that kind of a thing. All right. Uh, after the top of the hour, after the news with the great Noam Layden, who it is a real treat to have back here in the WABC fold, uh, we are going to let you hear from the man who should have been mayor. 
the Citizens Mayor, Curtis Slewa. We got a great show. Lenore Skenazy is going to be here. We got Lydia Reports. And um, we'll take your calls 800 848 9222. Sports with Justin Ellick. This day after Christmas, Boxing Day edition of Sid and Friends to be continued. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the my lighting up. Boy. From my friends. The star of the show. Boy. Boy. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Boy. This Boy. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help. My Everything to gain and nothing to lose Cause it's a good day from morning till night You're right I said to the sun Good morning, good morning, good morning Uh, This is Sid and Friends in the Morning I'm Frank Morano sitting in for Sid Rosenberg It is impossible to have a bad day When you get to start your morning with Perry Como For paying your bills and it's a good day In spite of what our next guest says, uh, all indications are that Perry Como is the greatest singer ever to come out of Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, given his recent performance at karaoke at the company Christmas party, his views on uh, music should not be taken all that seriously. Uh, Crime, politics, New York. Uh, the hip-hop community, that is all things that Curtis Sliwa, the founder of the Guardian Angels, you could hear about two-thirds of the time that WABC is actually broadcasting. Those are all things that he is an authority on. He was kind enough to sit in on the other side of Midnight, best program that the station has. This morning from 1 to 5 a.m., and here he is for his weekly appearance on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Uh, hello there, Curtis. Oh, oh, oh wait, a wait, wait, hello, hello, can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear me? There we okay, go. We got you there. There you go. By the way, trying to shut my microphone there you off go. right Part there. of the radio deep state. The All part of the conspiracy to have you silenced. Oh, definitely. Uh, Perry Como is the favorite of my mother, Francesca. She would watch the Perry Como variety show every week. He wears sweater. And uh, you know who grew up in his same town? Polish prince, Bobby, Bobby Vinton. Vinton. Wanted right. to be just like Perry you, Como. I yes. the other day. I did not know yes. that. Yes, and in fact, I was up on that stage, as you mentioned... <laughs> I was singing what Bobby Vinton's songs, part English, part Polish, with Margot Katzmatidis. You know, I actually felt bad for Margot because I didn't want for, uh, obviously, people throwing tomatoes and popcorn at the stage. I didn't want any of them to hit Margot, uh, but it was, you guys were standing very close together, and so it was very, very uh, difficult. I, I am the Polish prince. There's no doubt about yeah, that. I, I, uh, the singing, I'm not sure, needs work. Curtis, let me ask you about this. Now, you have Guardian Angels in Brazil, right? Yes, in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Rio de Janeiro, let me tell you a story about a young man who was 19 years old in 2008. He's living in Rio de Janeiro with his mother, who's working as a home health aide. The mother's working as a home health aide. He finds in his mother's purse 
two checks belonging to an 82-year-old man that was in his mother's care. He takes the checks to a local clothing store where he buys shoes and clothes and identifies himself as the person whose name these checks are written in. The store clerk becomes suspicious after this young man leaves the store. He tries calling the numbers on the checks but gets nowhere. And it turns out that the person responsible for stealing these checks essentially gets elected to Congress about uh, about 16 years later. This is one of the many stories that have come out regarding George Santos. They're calling him the talented Mr. Santos. A lot of people uh, have drawn comparisons to the Leonardo DiCaprio character in Catch Me If You Can. It looks like he's lied about everything, his address, his occupation, where he went to school, maybe even including being gay. How do you think this whole George Santos thing plays out? So amazing how when they're con men or con women, as you had mentioned, the state senator, they always declare at some point that they're Jewish. (laughs) <laughs> that their it's relatives crazy. were Holocaust survivors. This guy was Catholic, right? <laughs> his, his mother dies, right? He goes to the uh, Padre in Long Island City. He said, please, Padre, I don't have enough money to bury you. Could you could you do a nice ceremony in the church? And then they passed the hat around, and he kept all the money. And then the guy said, oh, no, you know, Holocaust survivors, Holocaust survivors. The guy was a fraud, everything. And my fellow Republicans will not out him. Well, not out. You are right. He may not even be gay. He was married to a woman. That's what right. he was claiming. Oh, I had a male partner, and you know, he had four dogs, and you know, I know gay because I am gay. Well, you know, I'm sure you've gotten calls on this as well, but one of the things that I found kind of disturbing is almost he's the Republican Fetterman, right? Democrats were ready to vote for Fetterman, irrespective of whatever shortcomings he might have had uh, as a stroke survivor. Republicans called me and said, look, I don't care what crimes this guy committed. I don't care what he lied about. Democrats lie all the time. As long as as he's going to be a vote in our column instead of the other guy, I'm okay with it. What do you say to that kind of an attitude? Uh, Let's start with murderers, pedophiles, uh, thieves. You know, what what does it matter? Just like, you see, and that's why the general population believes Curtis. What does it matter? They all lie. They're all thieves. So he just gives new meaning to that. We've had this before in which if they're part of our tribe, we cover up for all their indiscretion. No person has ever lied so much from the date of his birth to the date that he's been exposed. And you say... Whatever happened to negative research? We're told that 10 cents of every campaign dollar is spent to research the adversary. Well, first off, the Democrats never did. Not Swazi, who beat him barely the first time, or this guy the second time, who also was a gay for the first time. That's why he got so much attention. You had two openly gay men running for the same congressional seat. And what did the Republicans do? They didn't even vet their own candidate. Although, I think they had an idea, Frank. I was summoned to a meeting by <clears throat> Chairman Joe Cairo of the Nassau County Republican Party. We sat there in a restaurant not far from the old Roosevelt Raceway, the entire GOP cabal of Nassau County. Curtis, would you be interested in running for that Swazi seat? Because they were they were sort of recreating the lines. And I said, I'm not really a carpetbagger. You know, it's like the only little portion is Whitestone, Queens. I'm not really a Long Island guy. Then we started arguing because at that time I was supporting Andrew Giuliani. They were supporting Zeldin. And then I said, you know, that pig, that Hazarite Mangano, they got to lock him up and throw away the creed. The crooked uh, Republican county executive there 
who was as crooked as Bill de Blasio, and they found him guilty, and boy, we started arguing, and the next thing you know, I said, gentlemen, thank you, but I'm not going to run for that seat. And you know who I got a call from? George Santos, how dare you try to run for my seat for Congress? Well, so any regrets now seeing what happened about not running for that seat? No, no, no. no. I know you want you and everybody else want to get me out of here at WABC <laughs> so That's I can true. give back a lot of the talk time. Uh, uh, no, honestly, uh, my thinking was uh, th- this was a seat that was a purple district. I don't think anyone thought that the Republican was going to win by as much of a margin as, as they did. Plus, under the old lines, it was very difficult for a Republican. I think you might have been able to win it, but I don't think most Republicans could have won it. And my thinking was you could have actually been sort of a, a center-right national congressperson. Now, you, you, there are all these national congresspeople on the left, like uh, AOC and Rashida Tlaib, and on the right, like Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think you could have been a voice nationally for the disaffected center-right populists that uh, really don't have a voice. There's a problem. Point. They would not permit me to wear my red beret in the halls of Congress. Okay. All and right. secondly— uh, you know, I my knowledge of the area is Leonard's. Leonard's. I've been to weddings there, bar mitzvahs, bat neck, mitzvahs, right? like uh, confirmations. I know in Great Neck there all the Persians. They know me. It's great, but that's it. That's my. That's the extent. Of, I'm not a carpet bag. Well, you know, look. You said when you were trying to uh, raise some awareness of the need to oust uh, Chuck Schumer that uh, you know these national races shouldn't necessarily be about what is going on in a given district or a given neighborhood. They should be about what's happening in the country. Well, and I think that might have been the case. Uh, this fraud has got to go. This con man has got to go. But you see, Swazi's just going to run for the mm-hmm. seat again, and he'll win the seat. Well, so who would you like to see, assuming you're not a candidate, and let's assume further that uh, Santos does end up resigning or he doesn't get seated or he gets expelled, whatever. Who would you like to see on the Republican side of the ledger potentially run for that Anybody seat? but George Santos. <laughs> Anybody but that fraud, that comment, George And shame on the Republicans for not demanding that he be asked, oh, this week he's going to do us the favor of That's having right. a press conference to prove to us that everything the New York Times wrote about was wrong. Really? I, uh, by the way, I will be inviting George Santos on the radio with me any day this week good, that he good, wants to good. do his uh, confessional. We'll do his like Mayor Barbara Copas, Walters. That's right. Ask him this, right? Say, did you have a bris? <laughs> I'm not going to be checking. You Jewish. I'm not uh, be checking. you drop your drawers and choice if you had a bris? But uh, uh, give me, forgetting about what should happen, what do you think, give me your prediction on what will happen. Will this be a Salazar who just survives this? Will this depend, kind of like a John Edwards when he did his confessional or Jimmy Swaggart, will it depend on the level of perceived contrition, or is he toast? What do you, how do you think it ends he up? He will say, I love you, McCarthy. You are my hero. You are my mentor. You for Speaker of the House forever <laughs> and ever. He will hold on to McCarthy's leg and say, look, there's such a short margin. you got five who want to whack right. you. I I'm here. I love you. No, it's not. Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not preaching homo love. I'm preaching here love of you as a politician who should be the speaker. Well, possibly as many as thirty want to oust uh, Kevin McCarthy. They're talking about either Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise as a uh, as a, a but challenger. Then Jim Jordan to, uh... will have to put his jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> See, I won't, I won't take my beret off, and he will have to put his jacket on. So you have Santos saying to uh, Kevin McCarthy, look, 
between us, I'm not really gay, but for you, I'm willing to become gay. I mean, everything about this guy is fraudulent. Yeah, it is wild. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. All right, I have been uh, very eager to ask you about this story. Rapper Tori Lainez, uh was found guilty in the 2020 shooting of Megan V. Stallion. After two days of deliberation, a jury in L.A. convicted him of assault with a semi-automatic handgun, carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a car, discharging a firearm with gross negligence. He's now facing up to 22 years and eight months in prison. What's amazing to me about this story, I don't care that much about Megan Thee Stallion or any of these rappers. I had to wait in line at the airport recently so they could give preferential treatment to the the baby. The baby? The baby. He's like the biggest rapper out well, there. Well, that goes to show you my level of knowledge when of, it comes to of rap. Of course he should get an easy pass <laughs> over you and your wife, Rachel, and Carmine. What do you get? The baby! But, but listen, so the thing that's amazing to me is the backlash against Megan Thee Stallion that oh. is coming from the hip-hop community. Well, of course. Rappers have actually come out with songs claiming that her version of events uh, of when she got shot after leaving Kylie Jenner's house is inaccurate. A lot of people using this uh, to question her sexual history. A lot of people saying she doesn't have a lot of credibility. This is apparently the standard in the hip-hop community. If you cooperate with law enforcement, even if you're the victim, you're persona non grata. Snitches, get stitches, and end up in ditches. Megan, as you aptly pointed out, the stallion, high-octane. Hot girl Meg, they call her. Thunder thighs, I call her. Did a duo with Beyonce, both girls from Houston. And she's a battle rapper, so she's a freestyler. She actually competes against guys and beats them. They don't like that to begin with. So she's in this car. She's with uh, this Canadian rapper, Tori Lannis. Canadian! And then she's got her um, publicist in the back. And the publicist testified, oh, no, it didn't happen that way. Because this guy, Tory, offered a lot of money to shut up. And as you said, they did a diss track. They, they tried to uh, discount her as a rapper now because snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. But, man, this is a big woman. You do not... If she hit you, Frank, your mother would feel the vibration. They're calling the backlash against Megan the Stallion misogynoir, which is apparently a combination of misogyny and racism. Is this a trend that you've uh, noticed in the hip-hop community, misogynoir? Misogynoir? I thought that was misogynoir. <laughs> because that's what she's alleged to have had with Tori, that's with right. her publicist. That's right. All right, let me ask you about this before we uh, run out of time. Eric Adams, I think you spent uh, two-thirds of the program trying to give him a new nickname as out-of-town Eric Adams, criticizing him for potentially being in the Caribbean or Jamaica, wherever he was, in the midst of the snowstorm. Less than 24 hours ago, he was uh, at midnight mass at St. Patrick's. Do you have to eat any of your words now that he has been spotted no, in New no, York No, 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 because if he had put his finger in the bowl of holy water, it would have been like uh, Al Pacino in Devil's Advocate, that holy water would have been boiling I mean, where's, where's Sal Albanese? He ratted him out. I have reached out to Sal to see if he wants to come on the program today. He ate today. the Parmesan cheese. He put out a tweet. He said he's in Jamaica. Then I did the big D, the big dive. I saw that Cardi B, the rapper, was in Jamaica with other, oh. other hip-hop rappers. As you know, he has now anointed himself the mayor of, you know, of hip-hop. Not the mayor of New York City. The hip-hop mayor. And he was hanging out with all these hip-hop monsters in Montego Bay. Meantime, you saw what was happening. And Sid Rosenberg, who's his very dear friend, his fellow residents in Rockaway, Underwater, Broad Channel, Howard Beach, 
when Sid comes back in a week, I want to see him profess respect for a mayor who basically was out of town. Well, Sid might be with him, right? He, he's on vacation no, somewhere. No, no, we know remember, he likes, uh... I was on 705 on Friday with his son, and I was telling Sid, hey, Sid, you know, Upper West Side, boy, you, you moved to the Rockways. You better get on the way back, I told him, a pump to pump out all the water in your basement. Uh, you better get uh, 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 a buzzsaw. And you better get uh, batteries, man, because you're not going to have any electricity. His own son said, Daddy, he's right. We're two, two blocks from the water. No, no, don't worry about it. He tweets me later. You were right. And I'm right about Eric Adams. Well, if, if there's one thing Sid likes, it's tanning. So maybe he is tanning. Look, with if you don't want to be mayor... Just go become the nightlife mayor. Well, but be the hip hop mayor. But I completely see what you're saying. But isn't he entitled to two days off? Fine. Have a press conference. Say my deputy mayor here is right. in charge. Gotcha. Like you I'm use the to... analogy with why, Bloomberg. Why all this mystique? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Uh, before I'll we tell you run why, out of time. because his complexion is his protection. You notice the McWhitey Whitey press court does not go at him because he'll immediately declare that they're racist. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, most of us are right. Right. All the McWhitey Whitey press corps. Right? Well, well, what do you mean by that, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> no. Remember, he said that uh, back in December. Yeah, yeah. That the reason that uh, he was getting such unfair treatment is. Because, You're a cock, that's right. right. My that's name right. is Curtis. Normally, a person who has the name Curtis is an African American. Right. Let me ask you about this, Curtis. Before we get run out of town, uh, run out of time. Mike Lindell, who's sort of become the go-to authority on 2020 election conspiracy theories. The pillow man. Yeah. Yes, great pillows, by the way. Uh, I sleep under my pillow every day. He has been questioning the 2022 election, not for a candidate that lost, but for a candidate that won. The Florida election provided a landslide victory to Ron DeSantis. Well, some, led by Mike Lindell, aren't sure they believe it. What we're doing now is I am going after Dade County in the 2022 election. And everyone says, now, why would you go after Dade County? You know, it happened in Dade County in uh, in the 2022 election. Well, this is where Ron DeSantis won Dade County. This all Republican won Dade County. Well, for me, I look at deviations, everybody, that's a deviation. I don't believe it. So I want to. So yeah, just going to show everybody, just like we always say about Democrats, where they stole their elections, just like they did uh, the one that that nice lady in Georgia that got zero votes in her own precinct. I want to find out in Dade County what happened there because it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deviation from norm. Mike Lindell doesn't uh, believe it. What do you think? Does he have a deviated septum? What the hell is he talking about? Say Knock DeSantis. yourself out, Mike. The reason that he won so overwhelmingly was the exodus of Republicans from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut down to Florida. He won by 20%. Why? All the additional Republicans who moved down there who decided he did a great job, which he did. It's Freedom Land down in Florida. And they reelected DeSantis against Charlie Crist, who doesn't know if he's Democrat, Republican, Independent. And I'll tell you one thing about Charlie Crist, Frank. Never jump into a hot tub with Charlie Crist. <laughs> never jump into a hot tub with Charlie Crist. Or you may discover he's more George Santos than George oh, Santos. Oh, boy. Uh, 800-848-9222. I want to point out that uh, any, any criticism of anyone's sexuality or implication of criticism of their sexuality is courtesy with views alone and don't reflect well, this program, this radio station, or anybody 72 else's. different That's sexual right. and gender terms now that can be applied Curtis, to Curtis, we will see you in five hours on don't radio, Don't get right? into a hot tub with Charlie Crist, y- right? Y- you are on from 1215 to 1 right after Bill.
Bill O'Reilly. I should be period, on right? all times AM, PM, 24-7-365. WABC stands for always broadcasting, <laughs> Curtis. <laughs> well, I'm sure kill me off this week. Can you encroach on his territory? Absolutely. Well? Tell right. me now. I'm ready. All right. Uh, thank you, Curtis. I appreciate you filling in this morning as well. 800-848-9222. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Shot. One opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment. Did you capture it or just let it slip? Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'm Frank Moreno sitting in for the vacationing Sid Rosenberg. This is Eminem, Lose Yourself. I, as I just said to Curtis Lee, am not a hip-hop fan. I know nothing about rap at all. This is a song that I really enjoy. And the, so- the film that this song was in about 20 years ago, uh, 8 Mile, is a phenomenal film. And I say this as uh, somebody that is not a fan of the genre, not a fan of that type of music. It's great. And one wonders if George Santos would have taken the approach that Eminem's character did in that picture, if things would have been any different for him, right? I don't want to give too much away of the film, but there's a rap battle, and there's a lot of baggage in the past of Eminem's character, and he puts it all out there on the table. What if George Santos had done that? Instead of handling this the way in which he he had. Uh, this is one of the most uplifting songs that you can hear. No joke. It really is. 800-848-9222. We'll get to your calls in just a moment. Um, my thanks to uh, Justin and Diego for working on the holiday as well as uh, Gnome Laden. Diego has uh, said to me, why don't we break at 735? I said, why? Why not 734 or 736? Because I'm a guy that likes to inject a little unpredictability into the world of radio. And Diego's retort was, all right, just break whatever you want. So then it led me to question even more the direction to break at 735. So here we are at 732 on a frigid, frigid, cold Boxing Day Monday morning. You're listening to this program. We don't know whether I will break at 735, 734, 736. Who knows? Maybe even 736.30. That's why you've got to listen to WABC, because this is the most unpredictable format in all of radio, the most unpredictable station in all of radio. Obviously, um, I started the show by talking about the weather and uh, urging people to try to think warmly. Uh, Unfortunately, the death toll now in uh, western New York is at least 18 dead because of the weather conditions up there. There are some residents in western New York, and I know we have a lot of listeners up there, 
who are remaining trapped under feet of snow. Governor Hochul saying this uh, storm will go down in history as the most devastating. In all seriousness, though, I want to urge you to use this as an opportunity because we could see downed power lines. We could see a lot of people um, suffering from brownouts and that kind of a thing. It is so important, not a joke, that you have a battery-operated radio so that you can at least get information uh, in the midst of a crisis like this. You know, in my house, uh, or at my dad's house, uh, we went to the uh, Christmas Eve party, and it's too much. There's too many people there to get a gift for everybody. So what we did was we do something called Steal Kris Kringle, where everybody brings a communal gift. Sometimes they call it White Elephant or something along those lines. Everyone brings a communal gift, and you draw a number, and then you get to take a gift. And if you don't like your gift, you can steal someone else's. So what I always do when I'm involved in these kind of things is my contribution, my gift, is always a radio because I think we need more people listening to terrestrial radio and uh, having radios, especially when it's a time of crisis. And wouldn't you know it, that radio that I brought was one of the hottest items, one of the most sought-after items. People kept trying to steal it. So uh, there's a lot of great radios out there. Please, if you don't have one already, in all seriousness, buy yourself a battery-operated Radio eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Philip in Morristown has been patiently holding. Hello, Philippe. Uh, yeah, good morning. Uh, back to your earlier conversation right. regarding Philip. Obviously, you're Joe from the Bronx. I've spoken to you maybe a thousand times on the radio, and obviously, you'd know that I would know that you're Joe from the Bronx. So why go through the charade of pretending that you're actually Philip from Morristown? Why bother? Yeah. Well, if you if you want an honest answer, I'll give it to you. you know, basically, I've been censored on this program dedicated to free speech. And that being said, I think that it's very, very much so uh, regrettable that I think that I bring a lot to the table. I think I'm a well-informed person. And I think that I'm an honest broker when it comes to, you know, giving information uh, to the general public. I don't see why you should actually censor someone when you when you should, you know, really debate ideas as opposed to sort of like stifling ideas that you're afraid of. Joe, do you think you I've know, that, censored you? That's what I've been experiencing on this station. Well, no, well me specifically, uh, uh, the overnight hours that you've called me. Do you think I've censored you? Uh, I would say no. No. But, you okay. Know, so the, then the, I, that's the, why it, it confounds me even more to think that you'd call under a pseudonym rather than use your own name. All right. Well, we're not going to reward this kind of chicanery. If you want to try and call back later using your real name and location, you don't have that Morristown accent, Joe. I'll tell you that. All right. Um, much to the delight of Diego, we are going to break at 735. Uh, but first, we have, we're going to have traffic and sports coming your way in just a bit. But want to encourage you to, if you're not starting your Sunday by listening to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning from eight, uh, starting at 8 a.m., you really ought to be. It's the best show in all of radio. It has the most newsmaking guests in all of radio. If you ever can't listen to the show live, catch up on the podcast. You can go to wabcradio.com or catsroundtable.com. For instance, here, John talks with the go-to expert on Asia, Gordon Chang. We understand China has serious problems with infections. Merry Christmas. Tell us what's going on. Merry Christmas, John. Well, COVID is ripping through the country, and it's not just the big cities like Beijing. It's also in rural areas. Um, we don't know exactly the, uh, the dimension of the problem, but there are reports that the Chinese government believes that there were 37 million new infections on Tuesday. And people are generally thinking that there's about 5,000 deaths 
a day in China. This is the result of the change in policy where China went from zero COVID, the draconian policy, to basically um, nothing at all. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Well, Justin Ellick, back again for your bottom of the hour sports update, 737 on your Monday morning here. And we'll start on Saturday on the gridiron. Saw one heck of a game in Minnesota between the Giants and Vikings. As with a win and some help elsewhere, the Giants had an opportunity to secure a wild card playoff spot, but they came up just short, losing 27 to 24 in heartbreaking fashion. Down eight with just over two minutes remaining. The G-Men rode their horse in Saquon Barkley for 27 yards and a walk-in score before converting on the two-point conversion to tie things up but on the subsequent drive the Giants they couldn't lock up the connection of Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson as Cousins found Jefferson on a clutch third down completion that gave the superstar wide out the room to take it all the way before being tripped up on what ended up to be a 17 yard gain putting the Vikings 61 yards away from the victory when Minnesota quick kicker Greg Joseph broke the Giants hearts snap spot Joseph with a big leg and Merry Christmas, Minnesota Vikings fans. The Vikings have beaten the Giants 27-24. It's Joseph from 61. Wow. Wow, indeed. Thanks to losses by the Detroit Lions. By the way, that call courtesy of Fox Sports. Uh, by losses uh, by the Detroit uh, Lions in Carolina and Seattle Seahawks in Kansas City. The Giants are still in a win, and they're in situation next week when they host the Indianapolis Colts, so they control their fate. Washington also lost later in the day in San Francisco to help out New York. And, of course, Christmas Day action on the hardwood yesterday saw the Knicks suffer a 119-112 to loss at home to the Philadelphia 76ers. League's top scorer in Joel Embiid went for 35 points. James Harden, he poured in 29 himself along with his 13 assists. And the Sixers make the Knicks their latest victim on what's now an eight-game win streak. New York has now lost three straight after, uh, following their own eight-game win streak. They'll be in Dallas tomorrow night to try and get things right against the Mavericks. And looking ahead to hardwood action tonight out in Cleveland, the Nets, they get the Cavaliers for a 7 p.m. Eastern time tip. And, of course, Monday Night Football will wrap up Week 16 on the gridiron. The Los Angeles Chargers pay the Indianapolis Colts a visit, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
The great Mungo Jerry singing about summertime. Good morrow, everyone. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'm one of the friends, Frank Morano, and I've uh, got an action-packed show for you coming up for the next two and a half hours. Lenore Scanese is going to be here at the top of the next hour. She's one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite people in the country. we got Lydia Reports uh, coming up next hour, and I have just heard from El Capitan himself, El Jefe, uh, our, uh, the Capo de Tutti Capi. John Katsimatidis will join us at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. I'll tell you, there's not a lot of people that would, in the midst of a holiday, uh, be willing to be called into service. Everybody else is off. John is, of course, working, and uh, he's very much in demand. They're trying to get him on cable news. They're trying to get him on radio shows to talk all about the supply chain issues, the issues with crime in places like Manhattan, and what some people are still considering an energy crisis. He's an expert in a lot of those things, so he's going to share some wisdom with us at 9 o'clock. And... The thing that's great about talking with John, and I say this as somebody that was on the radio with him each week for about seven years, is uh, he knows everybody. So when there's a story about what's the governor going to do or what's the president going to do, he has had conversations with all the key market makers, and he has sort of an inside perspective. So he's going to share some of that inside perspective with us at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. 800 I'm going to get to your calls in just a moment, but... I have some good news for you if you are a disgruntled movie fan. Movie fans will soon will now be able, this is not a joke, this is not shtick, this is 100% true. Movie fans will now be able to sue studios under false advertising laws if they release misleading trailers for forthcoming releases. This is God's honest truth. Federal judge ruled a couple of days ago um, that the trailer for the film Yesterday, did you see Yesterday, the Danny Boyle film from a few years ago? It's really good. I enjoyed it. It's about a guy that wakes up in a world that uh, they've never heard of the Beatles. It's really, it's really a great film, great music in that as well. So the judge said that the trailer for this picture, Yesterday, might be considered as false advertising because it included actress Anna de Armas, who did not actually appear in the film. So a California district judge, Stephen Wilson, is letting this class action suit filed earlier this year proceed after Universal asked for it to be dismissed. Universal argued that it would open the floodgates to others who felt that they have been misled by trailers. Judge Wilson flatly rejected Universal's argument and ruled that the trailers were subject to advertising laws. Quote, at its core, a trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing customers with a preview of the film. Now, I think the judge's rationale in this decision is sound. The thing that I wonder is, and I, you know, I like movies. I don't get to watch them as much these days, having a one-year-old and everything in these crazy hours. But the thing that I wonder is, who watches a trailer and then watches the film and says, you know, I don't like that that trailer was misleading. I'm going to go out and sue. To me, I mean, just see another film. Just kind of move on. I don't know who would take the time. I don't know if this was something that a lawyer came up with. I don't know who would take the time to actually sue a movie studio over this. But I have noticed this over the years that sometimes they put out trailers that don't include material that's in the film. And it does bother me, I have to say. I never thought about suing over it, but it does bother me. I am a science fiction fan. So the films that I have paid closest attention to where they do this tend to be science fiction uh, films. You remember the Star Trek movie? 
the kind of the reimagining of Star Trek with Christopher Pine as Captain Kirk. Great film. Came out in 2009. There, and I remember being upset about this at the time, there is a scene in that trailer of a newborn Spock being greeted into the world by his parents on Vulcan. His mother was played by Winona Ryder. And the full scene is pretty much, you know, underplayed. The pair discusses names and they softly banter around the nature of mixed species parenting. Because remember, Spock's father is a Vulcan. Spock's mother, played by Winona Ryder, is a human. And Winona Ryder's character, I think it's Amanda, says to Sarek, she says, he has your eyes, he has your ears. Wonderful, sweet little scene. Not in the picture. It's not in the movie. Now, I do wonder if now that this judge has ruled this way, is this going to put an end to putting material in the trailers that are not in the films? A lot of other films that this is, a case, this is the case with. Star Wars Rogue One, same thing. They had a scene in the trailer that wasn't in the film. The X-Men Origins film Wolverine, Armageddon, about an asteroid coming towards the Earth. Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire 20 years ago. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. Ten years ago, there's all these scenes that are in the trailer but not in the movie. Well, if you see that now, you will be able to sue. Congratulations. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Sherry in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Sherry. Oh, hi, Boogie. You guys are at full for my becoming like a night bird, but okay. So three things. I'll try to be brief because I know you're popular and stuff. Thank you uh, for your excellent advice regarding having battery radios available. Seriously, um, I've been listening to one of those, which also has an electric option. Uh, second, thank you for, okay, hilarious, refusing to cater to that previous caller's chicanery. I was hilarious. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> thank you, because I take humor very seriously. It's a, it's a good health uh, behavior healthy and last i did vote for curtis and i would again but mother type that i am um i like him a lot and therefore i'd hesitate because i wish none of the aggravation i've seen associated with politics on him (laughs) you know so i'm ambivalent no really and but i want to say uh i'll tell you this i should tell him at some point i think he'd be the best mayor new york city has ever had uh, hands down, he's the most trustworthy person. So well, there you go. Uh, thank you, Sherry. I certainly agree with you that Curtis would have been a great mayor. I'm not sure I agree with you on the trustworthiness, but uh, you don't have to be that trustworthy uh, to be mayor. He has a passion for New York. He knows New York better than anybody. And to me, seeing that whole Curtis-Eric Adams race has reinforced my belief in something that I've been for for over two decades, which is nonpartisan elections. The only reason Curtis lost is because he was a Republican. He was the Republican candidate. So you had a whole bunch of voters in the city that just instinctively voted Democrat. And because Adams was under the Democratic label, he won. And I don't think it's right that Curtis was stigmatized for being a Republican. And I feel the same way, by the way, about Democrats running in Republican cities or Republican districts. And uh, I don't think that's right. That's why I'm for nonpartisan elections. As for um, your point about the previous caller, Sherry, I agree. I don't know why that caller wouldn't have just called under his own name. I mean, if we wanted people calling and faking and lying their way onto the air, we'd invite George Santos on. Am I right? 800-848-9222. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'm Frank Morano. Sitting in straight ahead. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Olé, 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 olé. 
The great Buster Poindexter, a.k.a. David Johansson. You always got to wonder about these guys with multiple names, right? James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. I mean, come on, pick a name. You don't even want to know the pseudonyms Gnome Laden runs around using when he's off fair. I mean, really. Um, but uh, Buster Poindexter, a Staten Islander, I don't mind telling you. Very proud of uh, him as a Staten Islander. And you know what? A terrific actor as well. He gets so much attention for this song that I don't know that people give him credit as an actor. One of my favorite Christmas films, certainly one of my favorite versions of A Christmas Carol, is Scrooged with Bill Murray. He plays the ghost of Christmas present. He's the, the cab driver. He's phenomenal in that film. And then, look, I'm a gambler, as uh, a lot of people know. One of the great gambling movies of all time is a film called Let It Ride with Richard Dreyfus, And David Johansson is in that picture as well, playing a totally different role than what he did in Scrooge. So uh, for some reason, I don't think David Johansson ever got his just desserts as a uh, as an actor, but uh, certainly a great singer, a great actor. Hopefully you had a nice Christmas. We had a very eventful Christmas in the Morano household. Because uh, my son is uh, just about, you know, he's a year old. He turned a year old on Thanksgiving. And yesterday he walked for the first time, took his first steps. So it was one giant leap for a toddler and one giant leap for toddler kind. It was, I got to tell you, you know, I know everybody expects their one-year-old to eventually walk. But to actually see your one-year-old take four, five, six steps across the uh the living room. It was really exciting for us. So uh, we we were over the moon yesterday. It was a, a Christmas miracle to see Carmine. That's my son's name walking around. All right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. I'm going to get to as many calls as we can here. Speaking of parenting, Lenore Skenazy joins us after the top of the hour. Let me say hello to Chris in the Catskills. Hello, Chris. Hey, good morning, Frank. Morning. Happy holidays. Likewise, you, you Chris. You playing Eminem's song brings up two things about him relevant to Christmas in that he went out on four dates with Mariah Carey, who had the big Christmas special the other night on one of the major networks. And he decided not to date her again because of basically he thought she was emotionally imbalanced. And oh. also Eminem I didn't know that, went out. Uh, there's an article about it in Rolling Stone magazine. Huh. Um, and it was well it publicized at the time. Uh George Santos is emblematic about the paradigms in politics because he basically, those that run for office and they lie their way through their entire political career, they can and do win. And then other politicians that work hard for their constituents and they always tell the truth, they might end up getting forced out of the business. And it, it points to the lack of quality candidates that are running for office and politics has become so dirty. Anybody that can make more money or have more of an impact doing something else in life, they choose to do that. And then we're left with the George Santoses of the world, well, you know? Chris, um, and thank you for the call. That's a good point um, in that, look, politicians lie all the time, right? But I guess the Chris's point, I, and I think he's right, is, you know, we've made politics something that honest people don't want to go into, right? And if you go into it, you don't want to act honestly. The Unfortunate reality is you have to be able to raise or spend a ton of money to be able to run for office. Now, the, the question that George Santos is going to face, really the, the most important question is, if he was lying about all these jobs that he had and this company that he supposedly founded, where did he get this $700,000 from that he used to lend himself to run for office? That could potentially have some criminal implications. We'll see. But I, I think we should make it a more welcoming environment for 
citizens that want to be active. That's a good point. All right, those of you that are holding, we'll get to you. Lenore Skenazy, after the top of the hour, this is Sid and Friends, to be continued. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Come and sing simple song freedom Sing it like you've never sung before Let it fill the air Tell the people everywhere We the people here don't want war Hey there Mr. Black Man Can you hear me? I don't want your diamonds or your game I just want to be someone known to you as me And I will bet in my life you want the same The great Bobby Darren singing a simple song of freedom. Still a such a beautiful song about more than 50 years after it was released. And uh, still so relevant when it look looks at uh, when you look at what's happening in terms of world affairs the situation in uh, Ukraine and elsewhere by the way if you're just tuning in this is Sid and friends in the morning Sid Rosenberg is off for a well-deserved vacation this week he's going to be back in the year 2013 I'm Frank Morano here we're going to take your calls at 800-848-9222 but the issue of freedom gets talked about a lot in a racial context it gets talked a lot about in a political context but We don't necessarily talk about freedom when it comes to parenting and when it comes to our children. And one of the unfortunate trends that we've seen over the last 25, 30 years has been parents are getting less and less willing to give their children freedom. One of the people who has led the movement To fight back against that trend is one of my favorite people in the world, a gifted writer, an incredible person, someone that I find really inspirational. She is the founder of Free Range Kids and the president of Let Grow, a nonprofit that promotes childhood independence. It is a great, great deal of pleasure to welcome back Lenore Skenazy. Lenore, it's great to talk with you. How have you been? Um, I've been way, I'm like, I'm on a high from that intro. That was so lovely. Thank you so much, Frank. I'm well, great. Thank you. It's true. And, uh, and I hope you had a great holiday with uh, with your family as well. Hey, I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, some of the worst free-range parenting stories from the year 2022. And I know you're uh, going to work on a column in Reason.com about that. But I had to mm-hmm. ask you about your column in the New York Post on Sunday. Really interesting. Oh, um, yeah. The headline is Miracle Workers Meet the Local Teachers Using a Breakthrough Technique that Enables Severely Autistic Kids to Communicate for the First Time. Unfortunately, we've seen so many more children being diagnosed with autism, and a lot of parents wonder about, you know, how they can. Um, have something resembling a normal childhood for their children who may have autism. Tell us about this. What is this uh, breakthrough technique that allows autistic kids to communicate? Well, um, it, it sounded too good to be true. So let me say that to begin with, which is why I had to go and see it for myself. 
Um, it's something called spelling to communicate. And what it is, is kids with um, nonverbal autism, about 30% of people with autism can't actually speak or have very minimal speaking abilities. Um, and that's partly because, uh, you know, I know so little about autism. This is just what I've learned when I was writing this story. Um, but speaking um, requires small motor skills of the mouth, and writing requires fine motor skills of the hand. But if you're pointing with your whole arm, that's a gross motor skill, and that's what has been harnessed in this spelling to communicate technique that I saw. Um, so kids are taught to point to um, letters on what, is, what ends up basically being looking like a laminated placemat with the alphabet on it. And so you ask a question, and um, at first it's very hard for them to point, and the letters are huge, and then gradually they get smaller and they all fit on the placemat, um, you know. Uh, who, uh, you know, who is the president of the United States, and they can, you know, point to B-I-D-E-N. And then after a while of practicing this technique, which is hard, and it, I think it's hard for people with autism to, to see the whole letter board to begin with. It's hard to point, but eventually they get good. Some even get good enough to end up using a, a keyboard hmm. on their own, which obviously is the, the greatest gift ever. Um, but the kids I saw, one of them ended up using a keyboard. I, I visited a classroom with six um, kids with autism, and the rest were pointing to these letters. And I wanted to make sure that it wasn't the teacher holding on to the kid's hand and, you know, stabbing their finger at point right, to so these Right, the, the so-called Ouija board effect, yeah. Yes, because um, in the 90s, I think it was, there was a there was something called facilitated communication, which involved a teacher holding the hand of the kid. And it looked too easy to fake, and, and um, possibly it always was, or it sometimes was. I, I'm not an expert in that. But I can tell you that I, I really thought that this thing sounded too much like a breakthrough that everybody would hope for to believe, which is why I went and visited the classroom twice, and I took videos of it, um, because these are kids who, had, who were in their late teens, who everybody, their parents hadn't written them off, but they hadn't been able to say anything even as simple as, I hate, you know, I hate hamburgers. Stop giving me hamburgers or, um, you know, my knee hurts or whatever. And, and the kids I was speaking to, I watched them answer a lot of questions for quizzes. The teacher would read them a section about, you know, what is denitrification or how do the weather cycles work? And they would answer those questions. But I thought that could also be, I mean, that was fantastic. But it's also um, something, you know, maybe they're savants and they take in information and they give it right back to you like a computer as opposed to like a, a thinking, feeling person. Because what did I know? Um, but then I was there and I got to ask questions of this one boy uh, who's the son of the founder of the school. The school is called the Acton Academy of Eastern Long Island. It's in Riverhead. And I asked him, you know, well, how did it feel before you could spell to communicate? Because he was 16 before he learned this. Now he's 18. And he, and he po points to the letters. And I'm watching and filming. And it's like, I felt alone, <laughs> you know. And what would you say to people who don't trust this mm. technique? Like me, sort of, to begin with, <laughs> before I saw it. And, and he said, uh, you know, I would ask them to trust our words. And, you know, that was pretty astounding sure. and and the idea that inside of at least these kids <laughs> the ones that i saw uh inside of these um kids with autism there's uh a brain that is you know that has a hard time moving its body and has a hard time with the world um and yet is is thinking seeing feeling and and locked in <laughs> 
you know, that's like my biggest fear that someday I'll be paralyzed and, I, you know, and nobody will know that I'm fine inside and I'm cracking jokes to myself and I can't get anything out. I mean, here we are. All we're doing is communicating. Imagine if, you know, I was this smart person and you were that smart person and nobody knew. And and we were stuck doing boring, stupid things like stringing beads our whole life because nobody had any idea that there was a, a, a mind um, working and thinking like ours in there, just unable to communicate. So. That was it. I, I saw it. I've gotten some criticism already. Um, people who, you know, think that it does sound too good to be true. And I have to say, I was one of those. That's why, you know, if you go to the, to the story um, online with, with the New York Post, you can click on, you know, it says I made videos. of it. You click on that and then you see the videos that I made. And, and I took my husband and son along with me to, to make sure. I mean, it's, it's so counterintuitive. Mm. That I had to take, I'm like, and I watched my videos again and again yesterday because it is, I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to be a sap. Sure. I certainly don't want to, you know, help a, a charlatan, but, but it wasn't that. I mean, I, I saw it. I talked to the kids. It's, it's, it's maybe it's just those six kids <laughs> um, and some kids who wrote some books, but um it was real, and I was stunned. If people uh, haven't read the column, I've just linked to it on my Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash moranofan. People can read it, and then, as you mentioned, there is a link uh, to the video. L- last question about this, Lenore. There's going to be some people mm-hmm. listening to this that might be parents or grandparents of autistic mm-hmm. children that have a difficult time mm-hmm. communicating. If they mm-hmm. want their child to have access to a tool like this, is this school mm-hmm. on Long Island the only place that you're aware of that's offering something like this, or or is this, or is this a resource that other parents can tap into, even if they don't live out there on Eastern Long Island? Right. It was very hard for me to find a place that was teaching spelling to communicate. I kept asking on Facebook. I was asking on Twitter. Um, there are about 350 practitioners around the country. I don't know where they are. Um, I have a friend whose son is doing something like this in San Diego. There is a center for, um, I think it's the International Association for Spelling to Communicate, IASC, down in Virginia. Um, I I think you look up the International Association for Spelling to Communicate and Mm -hmm. try to find it, but it's not popular yet, and it is distrusted. And that's why I don't don't like, you know, weirdly enough, I don't like being controversial. I don't want to be doing anything wrong or, you know, going out on a limb um, about something that might not work for everyone. I'm certain it doesn't work for everybody. Nothing works for everybody. Um, but uh, I really wanted to see it. And that Long Island school was the closest I could find. Wow. And I live in Queens um, to go see where it's happening. We're talking with Lenore Skenazy. Uh, you could check out some of her work with Free Range Kids at freerangekids.com. Lenore, if uh, people are unfamiliar with your work or they haven't heard mm-hmm. our previous conversations, you sort of catapulted. Shame on them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you sort of catapulted to international notoriety when you let your nine-year-old son ride the subway by himself at nine years old. Now, a lot of our listeners who read the New York Post every day and see a different story on the front page about how terrible mm-hmm. crime is, especially on the subway. They just look at this and yell. They can't <laughs> believe that you would ever subject a child to the perils of the subway. Now, um, you were labeled by some the world's worst mom for this uh, endeavor. Um, how did your son manage to survive a trip on the subway by himself at nine years old? 
Well, Frank, did, uh, I'm not sure where you are. If you're in the ABC studios, how did you survive <laughs> getting to and from work? Um, he survived the way about 6 million people do a day, which is just uh, getting on the subway, minding his own business, getting off the subway and trudging up the stairs. You know, I worked at the Daily News myself for 14 years, so I'm familiar with tabloids. <laughs> Love the Daily News. Um, and, uh, you know, our, you know, our mantra, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, tell people the worst story so that they'll be so shocked that they'll buy the paper. That's, you know, you got to make people buy the paper. But, of course, it's sort of like if you want to know how 99.99% of the world <laughs> lives or the city lives, you know, talk to a regular person. And if you want to know about how the 0.01% least fortunate <laughs> have, have spent their day, you know, pick up the daily news or pick up the post and you'll read the anomalies are what make, um, make us interested, right? A kid waiting at the bus stop, getting on the bus and coming home at the day is not interested. A kid snatched from the bus stop will be a story for the next 40 or 50 years. Whenever we speak, I am deluged with, uh, I'd say about 40 to 50 percent angry phone callers who are usually mm. over the age of 55 who always say the same thing. They, they essentially say, you know, I used to do that. I used to ride the subway. I used to go to the playground and stay out until yeah. it was time to come home for dinner. I used to go to the ballpark by myself. But it was safe to do that back then. These days with crime out of control and getting worse all over the place, it's not safe to let a child do that anymore. I'm sure you You've heard that criticism more times than I have. What is the response to that, Lenore? The response is I totally get it. It does feel scary. Um, I'm a reporter, as we've discussed, by trade. And as you know, I want to see for myself. And so I look up the crime statistics. And in fact, crime is up in New York City. Crime is up from when Izzy took the subway by himself. But it's still lower than it was in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. So, it, it, you know, it's we are bombarded with more media than ever. And the way the brain works is it asks, you know, is it safe to ride the subway and up come the easiest to retrieve articles in our brain, right? The, the search results are, no, what about that lady who was a, you know, what about the violinist who was shoved on the tracks or what about this person and that person? And what our brain can't focus on are what about the other six million people who are taking the train at its peak and, and fine. And so we get, you know, normally when we ask our brain a question, the search results are relevant. You know, I'm trying to find a cafe where I can go meet my friend this morning on the Upper East Side. I'll Google 86th Street, uh, you know, East Side cafes, and, and it will come up with results that mean something. But the way our brain works, it's coming up with the easiest to retrieve worst stories that I've seen mm. in over 55 years. Mm. And that is very scary. And so you get... Um, you know, I don't blame people for being scared because that's the that's the media diet. I'm part of the media diet. That's what people are fed. But, you know, real life is, thank God, a lot more boring and a lot more safe than uh, the front page of the Post or the Daily News. Uh, Lenore, are things in terms of uh, acceptance of free range parenting? I see some states uh, passing laws that mm -hmm. are basically codifying free range parenting and making clear that it's OK if uh, a parent is not hovering over their 15 year old 23 hours <laughs> a day. But then mm -hmm. I see stories like the ones that you've highlighted in 2022. And I'm trying to get a sense from your perspective. Are things getting better or worse if you're on the side of free-range parenting? Yeah, that's, I'm always trying to figure that one out, too. 
Um, yes, we've had four states have passed what we call reasonable childhood independence laws, which say, you know, parents are allowed to make a decision about when their kids, you know, play outside, walk to school, stay home alone for a bit, as long as they aren't putting the kid in obvious, serious, and likely danger. So you might not want to send your eight-year-old, you know, to the park or your 10-year-old to the bodega to get the milk. But if I do and I'm not putting her in serious and likely danger, it's it's up to me. And so that was passed in Utah, Colorado, Texas, and Oklahoma. And now we're working in four more states, Michigan, Connecticut, Virginia, and Nebraska, trying to get that same law passed. And when it does, it will help the parents who are second-guessed by the government. Um, in my compilation of the worst, you know, let grow stories of 2022, uh, I, I highlight a couple, one, one where a mom let her 14-year-old babysit the four younger siblings because it was at the beginning of COVID and, and just came out now. There's a, there's a motion being filed, which is why it's a 2022 story. But it was the beginning of COVID and um, the daycare center where the mom, you know, normally sends the youngest kids was closed because of COVID. But the mom still had to go to work. She has a 14-year-old daughter. She's responsible. She says, okay, will you watch the kids while I go? And, and the, the daughter says, Sure. But in fact, while the daughter is doing some of this online learning that everybody had to do, the four-year-old, and this is in a rural town in Georgia, wanders out of the house. It's, there's, there's no cars. There's nothing there. Goes to his buddy's house, which is like a house or two away. And the buddy's mom calls the cops. What an idiot. But she called the cops instead of just marching him over or letting him have a play date, giving him a peanut butter sandwich, and then marching him over. Um, and the, the police arrested the mom, and they said they, that she put her kids in or she recklessly endangered the kids. I don't think making a seat-of-the-pants decision on a day when the daycare is closed and you have a 14-year-old, even if the 14-year-old isn't perfect, I think you're allowed to have life happen. Uh, but they said the kid could have been kidnapped oh. or run over by the non-existent cars or bitten by a venomous snake, <laughs> my favorite thing. And it only takes a few minutes. The kid was only gone for like 10 or 15 minutes. But in that time, just think of how many snakes could have, you know, uh, organized themselves and, and come and attacked him with all their venom. So, so that was a crazy law, I mean, a crazy um, decision. And then there was a similar one where a mom let her, uh, her eight-year-old was bothering the two younger kids in the car. They were half a mile from home. She made a decision that I think many of your listeners have made at some point. If you can't behave, you can walk the rest of the way home. And so he decided he would just walk the rest of the way home, half a mile. And somebody called because it's so unusual to see children doing anything on their own. We've forgotten they have legs. We've forgotten they have brains called to say, there's a child outside, <laughs> and three cops speed over. This is in a suburb of Waco, Texas, and um, and they come to the house, and they tell the mom, you know, what, what did you do? And she said, well, you know, he was having a hard time in the car. I know mm -hmm. he regulates himself when he walks home sometimes. And they said, well, you know, what if he had been kidnapped? What if he had been sex trafficked? You know, and, they, and the cop even said, there really isn't sex trafficking around here, but what if? And And she's like, well, I don't know. And he said, well, would you ever do this again? She said, um, maybe. <laughs> and that's when he said, well, I'm going to have to arrest you. Unbelievable. Handcuffs, yeah, handcuffs, off to jail, no shoes even. They said, they'll give you shoes in jail. They didn't give her shoes in jail. She was out the next day, um, but then she had to take a plea bargain because if she took this to court and she lost, she was facing a mandatory, mandatory minimum of two years in jail. Oh, my. And For making a, an eight-year-old walk a, a couple of blocks? Half a mile suburban Texas, in a place that he knew, and there's sidewalks, and there's not much traffic. I mean, the thing about it is that maybe that those cops would not do the same thing. Maybe they were going to wait till their kids were 
as you said, you know, in their early 50s before they let them do anything on their own. And that's fine, but it shouldn't be up to the government to say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. It should be up to the government to to help kids who are in literal danger. If you know that a kid is literally in danger, not some danger you can imagine, you know, what if a giant eagle comes from the sky? What if there's a meteor? Uh, you know, what if there's a, you know, a, a cavalcade of white vans, each of them with a puppy in it? You can't just imagine danger and say, because you weren't imagining as much as me, you're a bad parent. You have to say, you have to prove that the kid was in serious, likely, obvious danger. And that kid was not, just like you and me walking home. It's just you're allowed to still be a child in public if your parent decides it's safe. All right. Uh, Lenore, I'm getting the uh, the wrap-up uh, signal enthusiastically <laughs> and quickly from uh, the folks uh, in the control room. Uh, these okay. are all 10 of these stories are... At the, are fascinating and horrifying, and I want to encourage people to uh, keep an eye out for it when it's uh, in, published in Reason, and uh, I'll link to it on my Facebook page as well when it is published at uh, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. Lenore, it's always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy New Year. Yeah, hey, I, I wish you a happy New Year, and I'm, I'm wrapping up. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank thanks. you, Lenore. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you could join me at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. And this report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. Frank, we got a little uh, late Christmas gift from Twitter CEO Elon Musk in the form of another Twitter file dump. Diego, you can lower the music now, the dramatic music. Uh, <laughs> so, um, But it was pretty dramatic. So we've got Twitter dump number nine. And once again, we're seeing that the FBI was really involved in trying to tell Twitter what to put out there, what not to put out there. Supposedly, there was so much of correspondence between the FBI and Twitter. They had to have like a separate team, a separate whole category dealing with everything that was just coming in. You know, the FBI was saying it was disinformation and that this was from hacked materials. And now we know that that wasn't the case. So take a listen to hear what Elon Musk said. He was on All In Podcast. And it's it's pretty interesting. Listen. Almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. So um, he and he also said, like, at the end there, he goes, um, he goes, so he goes, tell me one conspiracy theory that that wasn't true. So, you know, Frank, I know you're up on the overnights and you hear a lot of conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists. So did you predict this one? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't think you had to be Kreskin to see this one coming, right? I mean, I, I don't know that a lot of us um, predicted the level of um, FBI coordination with Twitter, but uh, to see kind of the the bias that went on in some sectors of Twitter and to see the length that they went to to suppress certain stories, obviously the Hunter Biden laptop story is the one that got the most attention, but all sorts of other stories like uh, these COVID origin theories and all sorts of other things. That wasn't really much of a, uh, a surprise to uh, to me. So uh, I'm curious to see what Twitter looks like in the Musk era come 2023. It's been a little chaotic so far, but I'm guessing that you're not going to see this degree of coordination with the FBI. I guess that's fair to say, right, Lydia? I would agree. And do you think, see, see now this sound, I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist. I don't think it's limited to just social media. I would not be surprised if a lot of the leaders from the mainstream organizations got phone calls as well from the government saying, hey, watch out for that 
Hunter Biden's story because it's not true. And and that's why they didn't cover it. What do you think? Well, look, I, I mean, I think uh, at least they didn't cover it until after the election. Right now, it seems right, to be right, uh, it right. covered now that the damage uh, uh, now that the damage is uh, is done or, or not. They're done now. Now people have no problem talking about it. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what comes out with the uh, the U.S. attorney's report on this. But, uh, it, you know, the thing that I'm hopeful for with Twitter is that it really can be used as a forum for uh, a whole bunch of people to talk with one another about the news, about current events, about life in general. I think the worst thing would be if you see uh, social media networks becoming sort of like cable news outlets where there's one for liberals, one for conservatives. And uh, it's such a shame that we don't have more and more people talking with one another. And my hope is that uh, under the Musk era, Twitter will be something that's not only profitable for him so that it doesn't go out of business, but it's something that you can go to and genuinely interact with people that might have a, a different world perspective or a, a different ideology than uh, than you happen to. I know you're a big uh, Twitter person. You're I'm always asking you where you find these stories and that stories. And you say it's because you follow all these uh, interesting accounts on Twitter. And by the way, if people aren't following Lydia on Twitter, they should be doing so at uh, Lydia News. Uh, there's nobody that has better sources on uh, on Twitter than uh, than you do, Lydia. Where do you think Twitter goes in the Musk era? I think it goes on the same course it's going now. But I, I agree 100 percent with you. And I'm going to get a lot of heat from this because I usually get like the nasty tweets and messages from some of our listeners when I say that we need to reach across the aisle. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to do. It's not good to be in an echo chamber. I follow everybody. I don't care if they're supposedly left or right. I'm actually a registered independent. I just want the truth out there. And I think as a journalist, that's what we should all be – anybody, as an American, we should be all striving for. And that's why it's so important to find out what really happened with Twitter and Facebook and even any any news outlet because – when you have a government dictating what any kind of media outlet is disseminating, that's tyranny. That's propaganda, yeah. and nobody should want that. Yeah, that's one of the things that I, I really like about the work that uh, that you and John Katsimatidis do every evening at 5 p.m., and it's really the one radio show that I make sure never to miss, the Cats at Night show, because there's all these odd combinations of people, Democrats, Republicans, independents, all people from all sorts of walks of life, and you do have a lot of conversations that really aren't being had elsewhere in the media. And it's also one of the shames, you know, we're just getting through the holidays now. And one of the things that I frequently heard from people, including friends of mine and family members of mine, is, oh, no, no, we're not going to discuss politics because we don't want anybody getting upset. And I think that's such a shame that we're now in an era where important issues are not even being discussed among people that disagree with one another for fear that it might uh, turn acrimonious. I mean, what does it say about society these days that we can't even have a conversation? with someone that we disagree with without without it turning into a screaming match. It is astounding to me. Most of my friends, I live here in New York City, born and raised, are Democrats. And we talk about politics all the time. And nine times out of ten, Frank, we usually agree. We usually agree on the same things. They're not for transgender stuff. They're not for open borders. They don't want fentanyl pouring into the country. They don't want a lot of these things that some of the radical left want. So, I think it's just this really loud or the radical right. right. I mean, I see or a lot of folks on the radical right that, uh, that seem that, ju- just as exactly. enthusiastic about things like uh, banning certain books and things of uh, of that nature. How was your Christmas, Lydia? 
My Christmas was amazing. Thank God I didn't fly anywhere because we saw the tens of thousands of flights being canceled. You couldn't pay me enough money to hop (laughs) on a plane during the holidays. I went to my sister's house for Christmas Eve. My dad, he hasn't been feeling well, but he was actually in great spirits and cracking jokes. And then on Christmas Day, I had all the in-laws over. And how about you, Carmine? He got a lot of presents this year? Yeah, he did okay. He took his first steps yesterday, which we were really excited about. So uh, my wife just sent me some photos. Uh, it looks like he's uh, doing his best trying to walk around today, too. So I'm eager to get home and uh, and uh, play with him and some of these new toys that he got. But uh, it's always a treat. I have a lot of toys I could give Carmine because my daughter has a whole two closet full of toys now. It's getting out of control I think the best thing I should have done is hide them and then reintroduce <laughs> them and wrap them up and have them as her Christmas presents. Uh, you know, we're, we're running out of space for all his uh, toys. But, uh, Lydia, thanks so much. It's always a treat to oh, talk with you. This report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. They have an amazing Midtown location, the freshest seafood, the best service. Check check them out, thespiregrill.com. Thank you, Lydia Serrani. Uh, Lydia reports every morning here on Sid and Friends, and you can check her out. Every evening with John Katzmatidis at 5 p.m. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Destiny's Child, uh, keeping with our theme of inspirational music this morning to get you going on a, a holiday for a lot of people. I'm hoping it's a holiday uh, for the people that write tickets because I am parked in a precarious spot, which uh, if the uh, ticket folks are writing tickets, then I will surely be ticketed. But I'm hopeful that they're off today. And the research, you know, the problem is with uh, traffic tickets in New York, you have to read 20 signs and then look up and do all this homework to decide and figure out if you could park somewhere. So I, I am really reasonably certain that I'm able to park in the area that I am today because it is a, a parking holiday in a whole bunch of different areas. You don't have to pay the meters, uh, but uh, we'll see. But uh, that is, of course, Destiny's Child. Uh, taking your calls at 800-848-9222. I would be remiss if I did not mention the passing of Charlene Mitchell. I am guessing... I will be the only person to mention the passing of Charlene Mitchell today, who was Charlene Mitchell. Charlene Mitchell has passed away at the age of 92. She was the communist presidential candidate back in 1968. Now, I'm not a communist, not even close. She's not someone that I would have voted for. However, this was someone that was a real pioneer and a real trailblazer, even if she was a communist. She was the first black woman whose name appeared on a government-printed ballot as a presidential candidate. So you have now the first female black presidential candidate. She has passed away. She was also 
the first third-party candidate ever placed on a ballot by a federal court. So she was she made legal history for all of the other candidates that have come after her. That campaign in 1968 certainly made a great deal of history. And one of the things that doesn't get a lot of attention in journalism, especially not on talk radio, is an issue that's not at all sexy, and that's the issue of ballot access. I view the infringement on the rights of independents and third-party candidates to even get on the ballot as one of the great civil liberties challenges that we're facing in America today. And I know some people might say that uh, I'm going a little bit far referring to it as a civil liberties challenge. I don't think that's uh, a bridge too far at all. I think if you look at how the Democrats and Republicans have gone out of their way to create this duopoly, and exclude anyone else from even getting on the ballot. It is a real, real problem. 800-848-9222. We're going to talk with John Katzmatidis in about 20 minutes. We'll talk to him about energy and the news of the day, a bunch of other things uh, that uh, are going to be on his mind. Uh, let me say hello to Vito on Staten Island. Hello, Vito. How are you, Frank? How's everything? Everything's uh, great. Thanks. First off, First off, uh, with your with the story about the your communist, uh, in my opinion, the only good communist is a dead communist. Well, I, you know, um, I, I think that's really uh, that's not a that's not a a good way to to look at things. I mean, look, Mikhail Gorbachev was a communist, and uh, but for his willingness to um, end the Cold War and to disarm, the world would be a much more dangerous place. So I don't think that's a I don't think that's a I don't think that's a good attitude when it comes to any ideology, even communism well as far as i'm concerned the uh, the amount of people that communism has killed throughout the years uh you know that I, I stand by my statement but the reason the reason why i called is about the smith of santos guy you let one of your previous callers basically he hit it on he hit he hit the nail on the head politicians will say anything to get elected today okay um look at look at richard blumenthal or, or, or from Connecticut, he said he was a Vietnam veteran. He fought in the Vietnam War when he was running for Senate, uh, and I believe it's Connecticut. He was never even in the military. Well, he, he was. He was in the military. He was in the military, but he did not fight in Vietnam. But um, I agree with you. I agree with you that lying politicians are a problem on both sides of the aisle. I think the problem Santos has here that maybe Blumenthal doesn't or Joe Biden, who had that plagiarism scandal when he ran for president in 88 and still has a, a difficult issue with the truth. And even Eric Adams, quite frankly, who has some problems telling the truth about his own biography. The difference with Santos is he if he did make up his professional history in this company that he started, the question is, where did this guy who um, essentially was almost uh, homeless, almost destitute just a few years ago and just a few years removed from committing check fraud in Brazil, where did he get this $700,000 from to lend his own campaign money? Now, I don't think he should be kept from going to Congress. I think, look, he was elected. The time for vetting all this out and getting this all out there was during the campaign. And uh, if the uh, local media and some local media outlets, including Grant Lolly's paper in Long Island, did raise questions about the fantastic things that he was saying, if uh, 
uh, the voters didn't do their homework, if the local press didn't do a better job getting this story out there, then uh, the time for dealing with that is not after the guy was elected. If you got a problem, um, the problem should be rectified in two years when he's up for re-election. And look, we've seen with uh, this state Senator Salazar in Brooklyn that sometimes you can overcome these problems with the truth uh, when you're running for office. Thank you for the call there. Uh, Tommy is in Mercer County. Hello, Tommy. Hey, good morning. I saw Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. In the picture of the hand over the glass, caption, please submit. In the back of that is Daniel's WordPress. It says, get the message somehow since secondary school correlation, high school goals or target for marketing needs to be on it. Producers kept this in mind. Or Patty DeStefano, Sandy. All right. Thank you. Uh, 800-848-9222. Tommy, two times, two times, is in Brooklyn. Hello, Tommy. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Um, I remember uh, on a set and, and watched the, the film scene. It took several hours, and, and most of it wound up on the cutting room floor. And in the end, two or three days of filming for 30, minute, 30 seconds of scene. Also, the trailers are done well before the uh, movie is finished. More than likely, the trailer uh, wound up on the cutting room floor. What do you think? You know, because uh, you know these films, you know, they, they didn't cut scenes, you know, but they could have hours long, and they had to make the movie shorter. So a lot of times, this stuff gets cut. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I just kind of always accepted that as a film goer. Thanks, Tommy. I never thought to sue based on what's in the trailer. That's why this decision from this federal judge is pretty groundbreaking. Um, if people are just tuning in and don't know what Tommy's talking about, talking about this lawsuit uh, where you can sue over a misleading film trailer, which is pretty remarkable to me. All right, 800-848-9222. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'm Frank Morano, sitting in for Sid Rosenberg. We'll continue with your call straight ahead. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends, I am Frank Morano. Uh, I'm going to be back tonight, or technically tomorrow morning, at 1 a.m. I'm not sure if I'm in, in for Sid any other days this week. That probably will depend on how many people tune in for this morning. They monitor those streaming numbers very closely. That's why if you want to help us out, you can go onto my Twitter and find the link where I have uh, encouraged you to listen live at WABCradio.com and retweet that. That's at Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. Or go onto my Facebook page at Facebook.com slash MoranoFan where I have the link to listen live and just hit the share button because if they see scores of people tune in on the streaming when uh, when I'm filling in, then that might lead to future fill-in opportunities. But I will be back tomorrow regardless beginning at 1 a.m. If you ever don't get to hear the program live that I do overnight. We're doing some really innovative things, some really creative things, and at the risk of sounding a little self-serving, I think we're doing the kind of things on this show that you won't hear anywhere else on the radio. Now, some people might say, well, there's a reason 
you're not hearing them anywhere else because you kind of whack it out. Maybe that's true, but I think it's fun to do something different. And uh, you can always catch up on the podcast by going to WABCradio.com or just search The Other Side of Midnight uh, on any podcast app. We're going to talk with John Katsimatidis in just two minutes. Uh, Rick is in Elmwood Park. Hello, Rick. Yes, I just want to comment that we're funding both sides of the war on Ukraine. Biden jacked up the fuel prices with the global warming scam attack on our fuel, making Putin rich with oil, and we're funding Ukraine, too. This is insanity. It has to stop. Rick, uh, look, my thoughts on the Ukraine situation have gotten me in a lot of trouble, but they're well known. I uh, We're going to talk about energy prices with a guy that knows a thing or two about energy in just a minute with John Katz and Matides. But uh, I I do agree. I think that if you look at the funding that's in this omnibus spending, uh, omnibus spending bill that the House just passed, it's just nuts. I mean, we're sending more money to Ukraine than most states get, right? Right. We, we have sent in 10 months a hundred billion dollars to Ukraine. That is almost double the entire military budget of Russia. Now, that is almost double what we spent in Afghanistan in a year. And ostensibly, Afghanistan at least had something to do with our own security. Teddy and Yonkers only have about 30 seconds, but it's all yours. Uh, Frank, first time a long time. Uh I think you're a brilliant, articulate individual. And, Frank, I'm 73. I'm a Democrat with sanity, as Ed Koch, may he rest in peace, would say. Okay, I'm balanced. I don't care for the far left. I don't care for the far right. And, Frank, to be honest with you, I have to be candid. Some of your hosts are really, all they talk about is the far right, and Uh, they blast the Democrats. Teddy, I got to run. I got to run. I thank you for your nice words. We certainly miss Ed Koch days like this. John Katsimatidis after the top of the hour. To be continued. Is Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Out of all the reindeer, you know you're the last of mine. in the morning. It has been said over the years that so many of the great Christmas songs were written or performed by Jewish folks. This might be an example of that. This is Run, Rudolph, Run from the album Shatner Claus, uh, sung by the great William Shatner. I had the opportunity to speak with William Shatner recently, and I owe that opportunity solely to the owner of our radio station, a gentleman that I have been very pleased to get to know for the last 15 years, uh, the one and only John Katsimatidis. John, Merry Christmas. It's good to see you. Merry Christmas, and uh, let me tell you something. We used to work very closely together uh, uh, when you were at uh, 970 a.m., and uh, I, we always enjoyed working together. Absolutely, I I, uh, I learned a lot from you, and uh, maybe well, you I learned, learned a lot from you. I, I mean, uh, I learned how to be in the radio business. <laughs> and look at you now. Now and you're I remember, now you're a mogul. I remember when uh, Jerry Crowley uh, called me up one day and said, uh, uh, "WOR was sold." And I was yelling at him. I said, why didn't you tell me? I would have wrote a check. The uh, Well, I, I think that was one of those situations. And Governor Patterson was working in there at the time. They didn't really even know that it was for sale until it was too late. Is that the, the story there? Something like that. I think uh, uh, the gentleman who owned it, what was it? Uh, Rick Buckley. 
Yeah, and he was, did he die or he was uh, now he's died, but I, yeah. I think uh, and he just wanted to take care of his estate and uh, uh, he sold it for thirty million. I said, I said to Jerry Crowley, I said to him, I would have wrote a check. Uh, your other guy could, that was on every Friday morning, Mike Blumberg, would have wrote a check. The you know? but, well, it turned out I think it worked out best for everybody because you got an even, even better deal with WABC. Oh, right? we got a much better deal. Uh, speaking of Bloomberg, there's a story this weekend that he might be looking to either buy the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal to expand his media. I empire. think the Washington Post digital edition. Uh huh. I'm not sure the, the print edition too, but I'm, I'm not sure about that. And I saw the Dow Jones uh, story too. But uh, Murdoch will never sell. You don't think so? I don't think so at this point. Uh, But but you know what the problem is? And I like Mike Bloomberg, and um, I I feel guilty that I'm one of the guys that convinced him to run for president. And uh, but he did win Guam. He could be president of Guam. (laughs) Uh, You know, I would have given them uh, that as a uh, consolation prize. uh, Well, he did a great job, especially his first term as mayor. Uh, You know, nobody knows. He did a great job overall. Kept New Yorkers safe. His third term, bringing in bicycles. Oh, uh, he shouldn't. Uh, well, but, I mean, look, we don't need to relitigate the third term, yeah. but it wasn't just that. But you had the war over soda size. You had the appointment of Kathy Black as school's chancellor, a woman that had never seen the inside of a public yeah. school. It, he had a lot of problems uh, that year. But I do we, wonder. We, we, lost, wait, wait, we lost track of what we're talking about. <laughs> well, we're, how, did, how did we get sidetracked? <laughs> oh, I was talking about Bl- Blumberg. Right. Um, you know. I saw him, uh, the last time I saw him, I saw him at, in the Hamptons at the Hamptons Classic. You know what a guy like that that's been in newspapers every day, on television every day? He's afraid. You know what he's afraid of? No matter all the billions, don't matter. He's afraid of being irrelevant. It's so funny that you say that because it's Donald like, Trump, in an interview with Maggie Haberman, she asked him, this is on tape, this is not her making this up or me making it up. He, she said, why did you run for president? And he said, I know all these rich people that as soon as, they're di- as, they di- as soon as they die, they're totally forgotten. And he found that the best way to remain relevant would be to run for yes. president and to be president. And I think Bloomberg maybe has that same mentality. I think he does. And I think uh, uh, – and- I was the just before he announced. I said that to him. We were at the Al Smith dinner together, and I said to him, "Look, you're you're worth a lot of money, and you're a smart guy. Why don't you give it a shot?" That, clearly, he listened to you, and I think a lot of other folks. So you have um, obviously you purchased WABC and one hundred seven one WLIR. You know why? Because I couldn't get a lousy signal out from <laughs> WABC in Long Island, so I wanted to listen to it. You know, you have um, Jeff Bezos, who made his money with Amazon, purchasing the Washington Post. Bloomberg has his own media empire, and you have Rupert Murdoch, who, who ha- has been willing to lose money with some of his publications. Do you think we're seeing a new era in which? People who have the resources, people like you, Bezos, Bloomberg, Murdoch, they're so eager to have a voice for what they perceive as the truth. And even folks on the right, um, excuse me, on the left, like George Soros, that we're seeing all these well-to-do individuals purchasing their own media outlets to amplify what they perceive as to be the right side of the political equation. Well, I I think uh, I have a common sense attitude 
for instance, uh, in my five o'clock show, uh, we have common sense Democrats and we have common sense Republicans. And that's what I believe in. That, But this is what our country stood for, for, for a long time. Was there arguments? There's always arguments. I think that's but, healthy. But I, I, that's healthy. And uh, in the last 10 years, seven years, I, you know, I don't want to blame anybody because, uh, you know, uh, but it's, uh, I would say it's post-Obama. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think uh, the, all sides probably deserve a little bit of blame. But one of the things I'm it, saying this became very polarized. And, and the, the one that's polarizing the GOP now is the United States Senate and the GOP are arguing amongst themselves about uh, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things I read this article today that Joe Manchin does is he invites he lives on a houseboat, apparently out there in the capital region, is he invites Democrat and Republican senators to sit with him together, just the three of them on the houseboat. And that that kind of begins the process of having these conversations. I said to Lydia last hour, other than your show, there are not so many people on the radio that even have these conversations. You listen to your show, you can hear Al D'Amato interacting with Melissa DeRosa. I don't even know. That, I don't think there's a lot of other media outlets that offer that kind of feasibility. We offer both sides. Uh, and, uh, you know, we brought in Anthony Weiner, who, you know, who I like as a friend. And I don't agree with him on everything he says, but... But he's entitled to his Absolutely. own stories, and uh, uh, he may be bringing in Huma. Well, I thought he did a great job uh, filling in for James Golden on uh, on Friday, and I've actually come to really enjoy his show. John, let me tap into one of your many areas of expertise, and that's energy. You've been in the energy business for a long time. How long have you been in? They, you know, that was the whole thing. They keep calling me the grocery man for a long time, and I've been in the oil business Forty years. Forty. All right. So you know a thing or two it's about a long oil, time. and it's not just oil. You you know about uh, petroleum and gasoline and uh, we've been in the real estate business for fifty years. Um, what do you see in terms of gas prices for the foreseeable future? It looks like they dipped down a little bit, but once they start refilling the strategic petroleum reserve, uh, where are we going from here? Well, I'll tell you. Um, and a lot of my economist friends that initially. Uh, and I won't mention names because they're all friends, uh, disagreed with me uh, when I put my foot down. I said, why don't you open up the oil markets of North America instead of creating, uh, uh, raising interest rates and destroying the rest of our country? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what's happening. It was destroying the real estate industry, destroying, uh, increasing food prices, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, President Biden, the White House, they they just – I don't understand why uh, are they compromised or whatever. I don't want to say that about a president of the United States. But we have 100 years of the oil. The I've heard you say it at 3 o'clock in the morning. The Alaska pipeline is a, can deliver 2 million barrels a day to the United States, the 48 states. And – they're only delivering 375. I mean, what's that about? Let, let There's me, something. You, you know how the words used to go? There's something rotten in Denmark. <laughs> right. Something well, rotten in Washington. Something rotten in Washington. Or Delaware. The other thing I wanted to say is I'm disappointed in our senators. Our Senate was supposed to be the elder statesmen of our country. The elder statesmen of our country. And they were supposed to sit around a table 
argue with each other, yell at each other, and come up with what's best for the country. And this has not happened lately. Yeah, I know you've been kind of critical of this uh, massive $1.7 trillion omnibus where they threw everything in the kitchen sink at that in this, uh, in this legislation. Well, I'll tell you, not everything in the kitchen sink. I asked a very common sense question of one of the U.S. senators. Uh, I think it might have been uh, uh, Senator Lee. Uh, I said, okay, I could understand the $1.7 trillion. Senator, how much of it is legitimate? Because I understand the excuse McConnell used uh, and the other uh, senators that voted for it was they Democrats agreed to uh, to to put up what the Defense Department needed for defense. Mm -hmm. So that was the excuse. And, you know, to me, okay, I understand. But it sounds like you're concerned about some pork in this bill. Okay, I said, well, how much of the pork is in there? That's, uh, you know, be, uh, building, what, what was the old joke? Uh, building a bridge uh, to nowhere. Bridge to right? nowhere? Uh, $485 billion. Well, you know, uh, for the guy. And, uh, I think they have a breakdown someplace. And at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, you you, you might want to uh, uh, get, get that will. breakdown. T- tune in. Other side of midnight tonight, I, uh, starting I, listen, at 1 a.m. I blame you for keeping <laughs> me up at night. <laughs> Thank you. Especially when you have those UFO stories. My yeah. God. We got something fun with, uh, with Bill Burns on that subject. Believe it or not, Barack Obama's documentary company is doing a documentary about this uh, this couple that was abducted by aliens about 50 or 60 years ago, uh, Barney and Betty Hill. A fascinating story. It was an interracial couple, very controversial at the time, and uh, they, you know, they couldn't find any holes in their story, and they researched it thoroughly. And of all the entities, it's the Obama Netflix documentary production arm that's doing a documentary on these alien abductees. Makes you wonder if maybe President Obama knows something that we don't. I think all the presidents know a little bit more than they say. Let me, uh, I think that was that's one of the items uh, uh, when the, goes president on president the, the first day of the office. Uh, that's one of the items that's. Uh, that's I, w- wouldn't surprise me. Uh, we'll see uh, what comes out of this new uh, circumstance with Congress changing how UFOs are reported in the military. Maybe they, they, stigmatize. There's it. a department that knows the the crap that they're going to give us is just a bunch of crap. Yeah. yeah if, okay. I, there's there's a lot of things, certain things I know that I can't talk about, but there's they know a lot more. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. If people are interested, by the way, in these kind of conversations, these are exactly the kind of subjects that I deal with uh, every morning from 1 to 5 a.m. And me and right you always enjoy talking about that. That's stuff. for sure. And a lot of the public, you see the success of shows on uh, the History Channel like uh, Ancient Aliens, which Margot got me hooked on. Uh, William Shatner's The Unexplained on Netflix. Uh, there are all these stories that delve in uh, to all these things, and they all do well. So clearly the public is pretty interested in it as well. Uh, lastly, on the energy front, there's one question I've been eager to ask you about. A lot of folks are are concerned about things like climate change and greenhouse gas emissions. Some people have pointed to nuclear energy as something that might be a good next step in terms of something that's clean. It is the good next step. Uh, France and Germany have already. You ready for this? You're sitting down. I'm sitting down. Nuclear energy is now green energy in the European community. And Japan as well, right? Yes. I mean, uh, uh, it is – look, look at our, uh, our aircraft carriers. We've become experts 
let's forget about what happened in Chernobyl where the, 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 the Russians didn't properly use it. Let's, uh, let's uh, not talk about uh, uh, Japan where they put it in the wrong spot for Fukushima. stupidity mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, let's not talk about Six Mile Island. That was 50 years ago, right. 40 Three years ago. Right. Yeah. Three Mile Island. And uh, right now, uh, we're very, very sophisticated in the use of nuclear. Uh, look at our aircraft carriers. Right. So even though you're. There are portable. They can set a portable nuclear uh, uh, you, you know, facility for towns of 10,000 people to use. Wow. Uh, even though you're an oil guy, you recognize that the future could be with nuclear. Over, I would say over the next 20 years, 30 years, uh, nuclear is the right way to go. You're not going to – you know, some of these people, uh, you're not going to run our country on solar energy and wind power. I mean, you have to be really dumb. You really have to be tiptoeing through the tulips – to really believe in that. Right. Uh, but it could be part of a, an overall o- yeah, overall gonna, strategy. Absolutely. Does a, uh, uh, does a family want solar cells on top of their roof uh, if they live in a sunny area to, to run their hot water or save money? Absolutely. Why not? I'm not against it. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, uh, on, uh, on Sunday I had a pro- Professor John Lombard, I forget his name, uh, talked about climate change. And he says, look, the Earth. Mm. Look at the Earth in comparison to the other planets. It's a, we have a creator. Somebody created us. You know, God, I believe in God. Well, we call him God. But somebody created this planet. Uh, and it's enclosed. It's protected from the sun is protected, uh, and it, it fixes itself. Does it go through changes? It goes through changes. But should we, should we t- work harder to make sure the earth uh, runs better? Yes. And by the way, if people didn't get to hear that interview with Bjorn Lumborg, that's on WABCRadio.com. You can also go to CatsRoundtable.com. Before we get to traffic, John, I want to play this for you. This is from yesterday's uh, Fox News Sunday. This is uh, Texas Republican Congressman Pat Fallon on this $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill that uh, both houses have now passed. This is what he said. I want to get your reaction. A 4,155-page bill shoved down our throats at the last minute in a lame duck session, and it has, it's just littered with pork. There's $12 billion <clears throat> additionally for the IRS, and the IRS, that agency just got $80 billion in the uh, inflation, what I call the Inflation Enhancement Act. And there's a, you know, there's a relief and work agency of the UN. They have a history of anti-Semitic literature and also producing pro-terrorism materials. This bill gives that, them, that agency $65 million dollars. About $3 million for a bee-friendly highway and $3 million for a LBGTQ museum in New York. It was a, it was an absolute piece of garbage, and that's why I voted not only no, but uh, hell no. Something tells me you would have voted hell no if you were in Congress, too. Well, like I said, you know, common sense, right? That's what me and you stand mm-hmm. for? Absolutely. 1.3 of the $1.7 trillion was legitimate stuff. The Department of Defense, etc. Et but you're still dealing with 400 okay. billion of pork. 
And if they, and this is where the word compromise comes in, uh, where the, where the Democrats stupid in some of the stuff they, they did? Absolutely. But I think Mitch McConnell, uh, said, well, we gotta defend our, the world. Uh, so this is the worst of two evils. So, or the best of two evils. Now, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing. What I talk about is you have eight billion people in the world. Five and a half billion are run by by uh, dictators, run by socialists, et cetera, et cetera. Two and a half billion European community, uh, United States, Canada, Australia, is, is common sense. Now, those two and a half billion depend on the United States of America to defend those two and a half billion people. So that is a scary thing. Oh, that's for sure. Because if the United States of America, if we have a military that's just a woke military, Jesus Christ, we're going to be, our ass is going to be kicked. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. It's Boxing Day. Uh, this is uh, a very appropriately titled, given our last conversation, a band called 30 Seconds to Mars. Uh, and uh, Jared Leto uh, from 30 Seconds to Mars is celebrating his birthday today. You're listening to Sid and Friends in the Morning. Uh, I'm Frank Morano here with our boss, the owner of our radio station, John Katsimatidis. So, John, uh, I was asking what you did for Christmas during the break. You were actually at Midnight Mass at St. Patrick's. I went to uh, me and the kids. And uh, my girlfriend and my wife, my girlfriend, <laughs> Cindy Adams. Oh, she's pretty we spry. We were together, and she came with our family. And uh, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, we love her, and uh, she, she, you know, we're talking about elderly people. She's over 92, and she's as sharp as a tack. Well, we, She's a great lady. You know, I, I think really one of the keys, and I've had family member and and friends live to, you know, their 90s, and some be very sharp, some be not so sharp. One of the keys is to stay active physically and mentally. In, I mean, we were talking about William Shatner earlier. I mean, the guy He's is... He's as sharp as a tack. 93, the guy's as sharp as him. ever. That's why I turned him over to you. <laughs> that's right. I appreciate it. I wanted to talk about Star Trek. He wanted to talk about the whales. That's, uh, hey, uh, different strokes for different folks. But yeah. in all honesty, I really, it's one of the reasons I'm guessing you're never retiring. Uh when I drop dead, I'll retire. Well, you have pretty good genes. Your dad uh, worked for you until, what, he was about 90? 
uh, he worked for me till he's 88, and then he got married. So I said to him, well, maybe you, you, uh, you, since you got remarried, you have somebody stay. Uh, and he, he retired at 88. 88, not, eight, now, not, not too shabby. Lived, and he lived to 94. The whole thing is, I said, Pop, Pop, why are you getting married? You're 88 years old. You know what he said? He says, my son, uh, I, I don't want to be alone. Uh, I don't want to bother you. I need companionship. And I don't want to be alone. Wow. Well, you know something? Can't argue that with that. That makes 100% common sense. How can you argue with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I can't be alone now. <laughs> and uh, Some and- people could be alone. I can't. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. I I would be uh, lost without Rachel and uh, especially our son. Now it's a a totally different world. John, a lot of people are off today. Um, if you had to pick, right? A lot of people are going to be spending some time with family, enjoying themselves. If you had to pick your favorite movie to watch around the holiday season, what would it be? Wow! Oh, always. You know, once a year, I I I always watch Casablanca once a year. Oh, Casablanca, that's great. Uh, I love the Godfather movie, mm. at least one of them. Yeah. Uh, probably the second one. Uh, I love Independence Day. Oh, see, that fits with our whole theme uh, yeah. of uh, Area and, 51 uh, and the like. Uh, I understand that uh, Cruz is making a new movie. Did you end up seeing the new Top Gun sequel? I did see it. How was it? I liked it. I loved it. Yeah, I, I, that's on our list. We, we may check that out uh, tonight now that it's on streaming. I think the Chinese or the Russians really hated it. I'm I'm sure, but uh, it didn't rush. You know, we they went on a special mission, and they didn't really talk about what country they were knocking out. Well, yeah, I guess they something uh, like that. Uh, well, look, uh, the, the China has such domination of the box office that uh, it doesn't surprise me that they didn't call them out as the and villain. The Chinese pay for the movies, right? The, there's always a Chinese hero in the in the show. In the movie. Uh, go, you, you talked about Independence Day. People who saw the sequel, and it was not that many in this country, but in the first Independence Day, the Americans were able to beat the aliens on their own. In the second film, they needed the Chinese to do it. If you look at, uh, if you look at the, the Martian with uh, Matt Damon, who, who, how did they rescue him? It was Chinese technology. If you look at the, uh, the Sandra Bullock movie, who was it that rescued her? It was a Chinese. The movie The Interpreter, which is a great movie if you're into aliens and stuff, who's the hero of that film? but a communist Chinese general. So to your point, I think uh, in order to get distribution in China, the Hollywood studios are actually making these films uh, it, so that the Chinese are portrayed in a very heroic perspective. I agree. Yeah. Um, speaking of China, we're seeing a huge... But don't, don't forget, China being a dictatorship, they say spend... The dictator says spend money. There's no committee that's going to argue with him. Yeah. There's no Senate. There's no Congress. There is, but the emperor is the pro emperor. Forma, right. And, and uh, it's like uh, I heard Curtis talking about it. I heard you talking about it. You know, for them to build a mile worth of highway, it costs like $10,000. For us to build a mile worth of highway, it probably costs a million dollars. They have uh, my daughter, when uh, when she was married to uh, President Nixon's President grandson. Nixon's grandson, Chris, uh, spent a lot of time in China. And my daughter calls me on her cell phone. She says, I'm in a, a train. We're going 280 miles an hour. Now, what do we have in the United States? Yeah. yeah. Between, you know, I'm not, I'm not anti-union. I'm not anti, you know, 
But between the environmentalists, between the unions, between uh, we don't get anything done. And what I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of we're falling behind the curve. And China uh, is moving, the smart people, they're moving ahead of us. And uh, Russia, uh, we talk, you, you were talking about Russia before, mm-hmm. and you're talking about the Ukraine, uh, uh, the Ukraine uh, war, and um, many people have said if President uh, Trump was still president, Putin would have never had the courage to go in there to do it. I, you know, I'll be honest. I think even a lot of Trump critics ha- have acknowledged that that's uh, that that's likely. So I think that could be one of Trump's key uh, selling points. Uh, should he, you know, move forward with well, his candidacy in 2024? Look, I think Donald Trump, and I've said this to him, he could be another Ronald Reagan if he acts presidential. Right. Right. He's, because he did a lot of stuff that was right. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I, then he does stupid things. That you know, people just get upset about. Uh, I think that's a great frustration to a lot of uh, a lot of Trump folks. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Day after day, I'm more confused. Yet I look for the light through the pouring rain. You know that it's a game that I had to lose. I'm feeling the strain. Ain't it a shame? Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift, drift away. away. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. Sid is going to be back in the year 2023. Frank Morano and uh, John Katsimatidis here with you. If time permits, we'll try and take some of your calls as well. 800-848-9222. couple of quick notes. One, you know, I was at my mom's for Christmas Day yesterday. We had a great time, and uh, she uh, put on a, a feast of all feasts. We had a lot of fun and got Carmine more toys than he could ever play with in a lifetime. But she has, hanging up, I'm not joking about this. People are going to think I'm joking. A other side of midnight poster that she has purchased with Prometheus the Alien and with me. And it's another side of midnight poster in the style of an old movie poster. And it actually looks great. I'm thinking of buying one for our house. If you want to get that, you can do so at WABCRadioStore.com. And I got this email here from Robert or Bob who said he received his other side of midnight shirt and um, he really likes the one with the space alien on it. So if you want to get merchandise from uh, Sid, from my program, from Cousin Brucey, whoever your favorite WABC personality is, just go to WABCRadioStore.com. There's a ton of interesting stuff on there and a lot of interesting uh, merchandise. Now, we were talking about Top Gun and we were talking about China Here is a story uh, that is from The Guardian, and uh, it's really interesting. There was, in the original Top Gun, on Tom Cruise's jacket, there was a symbol of the Japanese and the Taiwanese flag. Now, when the trailer for Top Gun was first released online, the new Top Gun, Maverick, a lot of viewers noticed a key detail from the original had changed. All of a sudden, the Taiwanese and the Japanese flag patches on the back of Tom Cruise's jacket, were missing. Now, this led to all sorts of speculation that they were removed to appease China's censors. But 
the two flags do remain in the film. And to your point, John, I guess there's a reason that they're not screening this film in China. I guess so. I mean, uh, it, uh, the, the Chinese get upset very easily, and they do things to show it. I'll give you an example. Uh, the extra items that were in the budget, uh, the, the, the $1.7 billion? Trillion. trillion. Yeah, it's a trillion. Right, a billion here, a billion, billion there. Billion pretty soon it used to be. Yeah, pretty soon you're 1. talking real money. $1.7 trillion. Uh, they flew um, missions over Taiwan or near Taiwan. They sent, uh, uh, they sent the Navy there. They sent Air Force there. In the last, uh, since Friday, to, to, to show that they're not happy about the omnibus bill. Oh, that's interesting. Really? Yes. Yeah, well, that's going to be wild to I'll see how that... I'll get you a copy uh, of the, uh, the story e- when I get Yeah. Uh, by the way, you, uh, you're going to be... We do have an intelligence network oh, I know. that goes around the world. So we hear stuff that's... Uh, you're going to be on tonight, right? At 5 p.m.? 5 o'clock, I'm going to be on at Cats at Night. I might be by myself, but I'll be on. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, might, I might take, if, I, if I'm by myself and I have nothing to talk about, I might be taking call-ins. Uh, well, hey, who knows? Uh, something tells me you're going to have no shortage of interesting people uh, interesting people joining you tonight. So uh, you check that out, the Cats at Night show, tonight and every night, uh, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. So that'll be uh, that'll be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, we're gonna get, well, by the way, a couple of people want to comment on uh, a bunch of the stories that we're talking about. We'll try and get to as many of you as we can. Uh, John, I do want to ask you, though, about uh, Eric Adams. Now, you said you saw him at the Midnight Mass at St. Patrick's. I heard Curtis, as I was driving in this morning, railing that he's out of town, he's missing he's an action. out of town. He might have gone out of town for a day or so. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I he's don't entitled, right? schedule. He's entitled to it. I mean, it's Christmas. Yeah. If you can't take a day off at Christmas, there was no snowstorm. And, uh, you know, was it cold? Yeah, it's wintertime. It's, uh, it gets cold. But there was no snowstorm. There was no emergencies going on. Uh, but he was there. He got to St. Patrick's Cathedral. He walked in about 11 o'clock. You know, we were talking about... Uh, 11 the, o'clock at, at night. Got it. You know, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's great. Um, we were talking about the uh, supply chain crisis that a lot of people are dealing with. And um, there is, of all things, a shortage of eggnog, which we notice around this time of year. Price of eggs, which I'm sure you've noticed, up 30%. To the moon. Yeah. Um, is this going to be something that continues in 2023, or is it getting any better? Well, there's there's a reason. The the, the price of eggs going up to the moon uh, is because of the bird flu, and they had to kill a lot of chickens. Mm. So that's the temporary cause of that. Uh uh, and what I said, I was on uh, Maria Bartolomo the other day. I saw and, that. And uh, what I said is, the, right now, uh, oil went down to seventy two, seventy three last week, early in the week. But by the end of the week, it, it went up to about seventy eight, seventy nine again. If the oil, uh, crude oil, stays in the seventies or, or less, uh, without uh, Saudi Arabia or Russia stirring the pot. Because they need the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the food prices, will, it's a, about 90-day, 120-day lagging effect. And the food prices should start uh, going down in the springtime. All right. Well, hey, that's encouraging news. That's great Well, news. that's why I said, why are you raising interest rates? You, 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 you took a pause when we had COVID, and we knew there was a, a reason for the problem. Well, the reason for the problem is President Biden shut down the pipeline or the one that was going to be built, made the oil companies in North America the enemy of the people, 
And the price of crude oil went from $55 to 125 at the worst point. So that was the cause. And then when they realized that, that there's inflation, they said, oh, crap, it's inflation. Let's raise the interest rates. Yeah, I really like uh, listening to the debate, respectful debate, but the back and forth on this issue of interest rates between you and Charlie Gasparino at night. It's always a lot of fun. He, you guys are not I on the same Charlie, page. But yeah, Charlie I love is a, a believer in the, in the old-fashioned, uh, uh, well, you have inflation. We've got to raise the rates. Yeah, I, uh, well, like I'm saying, that's what I enjoy I, you know, about the Cats at Night you, show. Uh, we, the economics, they were teaching Samuelson's course. Well... You know, I had Samuelson's economic books. And you know what I say to people? That was 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Forget about it. This is the economy of 2022, 2023 to come. It's different. And you have to not only look at history, you have to look at why is it happening and and the future. Now, uh, 800-848-9222. Alex in California has been waiting patiently. Hello, Alex. I thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say that President Zelensky, in all his speeches so far, has never once acknowledged that his own people ruined the economy of his nation. In 2019, the GDP per capita was actually less than it was in 1991. If they had successfully modernized their nation in the way that Japan had, he would today have enough weapons, enough money to fight off the Russians, but in, he doesn't. So he, now he goes to various capitals that beg for it. And all that money we're going to give him, we're never going to see it again unless we demand I that he give assurances. It. A lot of that money, you know, what's the expression in our country? Uh, a lot of that money is going south. Uh, I, you know, but, but the European community and the United States of America is using the Ukraine, is being used to battle Russia without having a nuclear war. Uh, let's hope uh, Let's hope we're able to turn the temperature down in the new year in that respect, right? I mean, uh, that's one area where uh, you have to think that uh, if President Biden was willing to implore a little more diplomacy, maybe things would turn well, out a bit differently. Putin has, look, we still deal with Russia every day. This is a big game being played. You know, we're... we're, we're <coughs> excuse me. Putin is selling... Uranium, right? Uh, uh, selling uh, oil to China. China is refining it. And China is selling it to the European community. And the European community says, we won't buy Russian oil. Oh, come on, give me a break. Right, it's all you the know, same global, are we stupid? global marketplace. Right? right now, you know who's suffering? The Ukrainian people are suffering. The Russian people are suffering. Putin, not suffering. Uh, uh, Zelensky's Zelensky, going to be just fine. not suffering. Yeah. It, it, it's they're being used. The 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 people are being used as pawns. What eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two? John Katzmatidis is here. Frank Morano's here. Uh, we are filling in for Sid Rosenberg on Sid and Friends. Uh, Sid is going to be back in the year twenty twenty three. I'm sure he's going to have some interesting stories about what he spent his vacation, um, you know, up doing and where he went and what he did. Uh, Sid always has a lot of adventures. We'll continue on Sid and Friends straight ahead. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Frank Moreno here with John Katzmatidis. Uh, I'll tell you, WABC is a great talk station, but especially on the weekends, there's no shortage of great music here on WABC. We got Cousin Bruce, here, we got Tony Orlando, we got Vinny Madugno, Dina Martin, and my friend Joe Piscopo. And I'll tell you, the thing about great music is that it really is just timeless. And uh, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. I guarantee you there are many, as many people tapping their toe to this song now as there were when uh, this song uh, came out back in the day. You're a Frankie Valley fan, right, John? Oh, I love Frankie Valley. I used to, you know, we used to hang out at the uh, Friars Club. When yeah. The, when the fr- before the Friars Club, they had a problem. They're, they're, yeah, well, look, uh, I guess, hopefully things turn around for them uh, in uh, 2023. Well, but, I uh, always pray for them. The Friars Club was a great institution, and... And we hope it doesn't uh, blow up. Absolutely. My uh, buddy Arthur Idala is there now. I know he's working hard. Uh, Jim is in Manhattan. Jim, uh, you had a question about our earlier discussion on nuclear power. Yeah, good morning. I'm, I'm enjoying your show. It's actually informative. You're not just yelling a lot like some shows. So. Well, thanks. Appreciate stop it, Stop talking about Sydney like no. that. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, and and my question is this: you, you know, you were talking about safety improvements with nuclear power, and the Europeans are embracing nuclear now. After right, and the Japanese, shun- after and the they Japanese. were shunning it for years and being fanatically left wing. So, so my question is, you know, we're talking about a loss of supply in New York, and the prices skyrocketing because of the, a lot of the uh, climate change things they want to do in Albany. So, do you think they should? Take the Indian Point nuclear power plant, renovate it, and reopen it so we continue to have a good energy I'll defer to John here. on this one. Uh, I think they should at least look at it, and uh, uh, it's already there. The security is there. Uh, and now uh, my friend says Rolls-Royce uh, is making small modular reactors uh, for, uh, for towns and uh, factories, et cetera, et cetera. You, you, you know, don't forget, we have nuclear carriers that run on small uh, reactors. And uh, uh, I'm sure it can be done a lot more efficiently uh, than we're doing now. But you know what's going to happen? You know who's going to pay for all this? The American people are paying. New Yorkers are paying uh, when things do not uh, – when people don't worry about efficiency. They just worry, worry about uh, doing it uh, without fossil fuels, without uh, nuclear energy. And we're not going to run our country like we talked about. We're not going to run our country on solar and wind. It's not going to happen. How do you handle a problem? Not that you're I'm making you the answer police on the nuclear energy, but you're the closest thing to an expert that we have in this studio. Uh, how do you handle a problem like nuclear waste, right? Uh, what do you do with the nuclear waste that people have raised concerned about over the years? Send it to the moon. <laughs> that's, the, that's how the aliens are going right, to attack. Exactly. I wonder. The aliens will get mad that we're sending it to the moon and attack us. Yeah, well, there's a problem with space about that. But uh, uh, I'm sure we can come up with uh, with something uh, uh, that uh, uh, what are we doing? We're burying it deep in mountains right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know I, I don't know honestly. Yeah, well, if you bury it deep in a mountain, is uh, somewhere out west or something, it'll be okay. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mike and New Rochelle, we only have about a minute here. Uh, what's on your mind? I always waited for an opportunity to thank Mr. Katsimatidis for everything he's done to bring this station around. And, Frank, you know I always mention it when I speak to you. It's always a pleasure to hear you any time of the day or night, but this was a special day because I was up making breakfast when you came on. Well, thank you for listening, and And uh, I'm going to go home and have lunch, I think, uh, after this. (laughs) What does the rest of your day look like, John? Well, 
I have nothing to do. I'm bored. That's why I came into work <laughs> Maybe with you. Maybe you can uh, co-host I'm with Brian Kilmeade for an hour. I'm going to go home and, uh, and uh, have lunch with my wife. Maybe the kids will come up. Uh, and uh, I'm going to come uh, back this afternoon and do the 5 o'clock show. Wonderful. Uh, Brian Kilmeade is next. Uh, check out Curtis Lee with 1215. My thanks to everybody that gave me the opportunity to sit in for Sid for the last four hours. I'm going to be back tonight at 1 a.m. Got a lot of fun stuff tonight as well. Uh, Sid and friends, good day.